1: Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast and box head as always. There's never a dull week, moment, day, hour, whatever in rugby league. No, there's not. Plenty happened over the weekend. Crazy weekend. Bulldogs situation looks like they've got their coach sorted. The Cowboys, after what looked like a gritty performance, moved on from Paul Green. We've had plenty of people linked to the Warriors situation and now confirmation players are going home. Roosters, uh, another injury up against... A Raiders side that was hit by injuries as well. The Broncos absolutely smashed a week after the Bulldogs, which we spoke about basically being fake form, and now served an ultimatum and plenty more. There's certainly a fair bit that's happened over the weekend. Yeah, there is. There is. Let's rip into it. we as you always do, straight away with our set of six, six things, topics, thoughts, opinions, whatever we want to talk about. Uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're a regular, you know the deal. And tackle one in our set of six is the Cowboy situation. Obviously, like we said on the weekend, uh, not a bad performance as a whole. A couple of uh, switches, debutant and young Dejan Arcee, but then it comes out only a day later that Paul Green has now moved on immediately. Josh Hannay moves in as the interim coach. and uh, As much as we'd spoken about, and in particular, I think I'd said that I think his kind of time was up and they'd rolled players in the last few years and things don't just seem to be changing. Um, they've cut the cord mid-season, which I didn't really expect. I think that's more come from Paul Green's side after an indication from the club that he wouldn't be there. but No,
2: well, I think what happened was there was a lot of off-field talk. Paul Green's then gone in and said, look, where are we? Because, you know, traditionally there's not usually a lot of rumblings out of the Cowboys. Uh, so he's gone in and said, look, where do we sit? They've said to him, look, at the moment we're probably considering a change at the end of the year. I think from then the club sort of said to Green, well, we're happy for you to coach till the end of the year. I think Green walked away and then later in the week went in and said, look, it's probably in the best interest that we just move on now amicably. I'll coach this weekend, not to disrupt the side, and then come Monday we'll announce it and move on. I think it's been handled fantastically well. I think Paul Green's a great coach. He's achieved what he's achieved at the Cowboys. No one has gone anywhere near achieving what he's done at the Cowboys. Two nines titles, uh, a couple of players have won Dalian medals under him. Uh, two grand finals, won the inaugural premiership. Uh, he's, I wouldn't say he's rebuilt the roster post Thurston Scott, but they're certainly not the worst roster in the competition. They've got some good young players there. The glaring ones are they've they let Kikau and Ponga and Brandon Smith and you know, well, a few of these guys go. Guys but like when a... you look at the roster that they had, they were chock full of international players.
1: I think they're you can guilty. can only fit so many of them in. But they're guilty, I guess, similar you know, <laughs> to what we spoke about. And when
2: it? you say let them go, I'm sure they offered them contracts.
1: Yeah, but they're guilty of what we spoke about before, like in the Ponga situation. They invested in some older guys, probably. Well,
2: what they did was premiership love. They gave players premiership love. When you win a win a comp, you just want to keep that team together. That's always the focus. Let's just keep that team together. And you probably, you know, maybe you pay guys a, a year or two longer than what they deserve. You pay them maybe a little bit more money than they deserve. And that just squeezes that money out. Yep. that could be distributed
1: somewhere else. But at the same time, you need to make decisions like we spoke about before. In when you know you've got players coming through, like I think it was obvious for all of us to say that Ponga was going to be an outstanding player, better than what Coop was. Multiple injuries, twenty nine years old. They signed him up. He barely got twelve months before they tried to get him at the door. Cooper's still there. Like I think Gavin Cooper should have moved on. He's
2: past it. Scott
1: yeah. had his neck injuries, but yeah, Justin O'Neill's past it. A There's lot a lot of them. guys that they kind of held on to, and it cost them some players. You can't put the finger on that they let all of them go. They stuffed all of them up, but they definitely. Over invested probably in a few of those yeah, veterans and held on to all too of
2: long. these decisions weren't Paul Green's. Let's let's make that very clear as well. The the club in the end, uh, there's a lot of people employed to have input and and or make those decisions around Paul Green. From a coaching perspective, I think he did a fantastic job. Seven years at any club is a massive achievement. Seven years in any sporting organisation as the head coach is means you're doing something significantly right. He'll get another job easily. I think the way that this has been handled and the way he's exited will increase his chances of getting a job. Uh, He's come out of this, I think, looking better than what he did. Like I think he looks better now as a coach, a head coaching candidate, than, you know, what he would have if he had have coached the team all the way through to the end of the year.
1: And I think the other thing to come out of this that we always talk about, there's not enough veteran, experienced coaches who are premiership winners and have been yeah, but successful. Yeah, all that so. talk,
2: like, that, I hear a lot of that in the media this week about, well, there's no other coaches. Well, give other coaches opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Because they say, oh, well, you know, the coaching Mary, oh, well, it's just the same names. Well, it's only the same names because you keep employing the same names and you keep giving the same assistant coaches jobs. Like, I've worked at two NRL clubs and got to a certain point where you just go, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to progress because there's just the same old names ahead of you because they've been there and done it before. It doesn't mean that they're doing it any better than what you're doing it. So clubs have got a, you know, the, the process around who they select as as coach and who they select as assistants, they need to progress from within and give younger coaches opportunities um, and develop them. So we don't you know, get to the point where, You know, Paul Green, the one comment that Paul Green made that was interesting was he he made a comment about his staff. He said that there wasn't cohesion within the staff and, you know, we didn't complement each other as best as what we could have. And that, you know, that comes back to him, but that also falls back on the club in terms of who they're employing, how they complement each other and how that's best going to help the playing group play their best footy. So uh, I I think there's a few issues there that come out from uh, an organisational perspective from the Cowboys, but also across the game. You know, like, you just see the same old assistant coaches keep getting jobs. Don't don't then bitch and moan about there not being younger coaches or other options when you're not giving them the experience. Mm. The only way to get experience is to be exposed and to get an opportunity and and go and do your best. So, like there's there's one bloke I can think of at Penrith at the moment who is sitting there as an assistant coach. I'm not going to name him, but he, he's coached at the flag level, SG ball level. Who? could easily be an NRL assistant coach who hasn't been given an opportunity and probably should have two or three years ago. He, he could have walked into any any other assistant coaching job, but he's my age. He's 32, 33, and often we're looked at as, you know, not too young, but, you know, you guys are young fellas. You haven't been around long enough.
1: That, that in itself, so again, goes back to the point before that when an ex-player retires, he's done no apprenticeship, yeah, well, you no know, coaching, suddenly he's yeah. an NRL coach. Like my point was not to say about the same old coaches on the merry-go-round, but it's not very often somebody like this becomes available who hasn't been recycled two or three times. It was his first head coaching job. He won a premiership, had a second run to the grand final. I reckon he'd be prouder, honestly. But he's done an apprenticeship. Of the second run, almost. Yeah, he did Queensland Cup. He built himself up afterwards. The Roosters, 20s, he did a real yeah. apprenticeship, which is why he was successful. He knows what he was doing. I think the other thing I love as well is... Uh, like you said, self-reflection. He basically came out and said, "I probably was a bit too intense, and I did wear thin at times." Like he kind of well, insight. yeah,
2: on he that, made right? the point of saying, "Well, you know, there were times where I probably was intense, and I got results, and other times I was, and we didn't get results." In the end, you, when you you make decisions at that point in time for what you think is in the best interest of the team, and I, I don't, I think hindsight's always a wonderful thing in in coaching, in particular. Like you've just got to go with your gut a lot of the time. Um, And try not to let that emotion affect how you would behave or the message that you want to convey regardless of the scoreboard or regardless of how you're feeling in that particular moment.
1: There's plenty of green shoots coming through. Like we said, they've recruited the last few years. I I still think the Holmes thing was a mistake just purely on price tag. The way he came back, they knew he was going there. It was basically a given. But a million dollars for a guy that only just started to show some good signs at Cronulla. will that be a mistake long-term? I don't know. So far, things don't look good this season, but... Hamaso, Fido, you've obviously seen Dejan Arce on the weekend, who they've got huge raps on. I think Drinkwater showing some signs. Clifford won the player of the year for the whole under-20s comp for a reason. We haven't seen the best of him yet. Does he need a different coach? Does he need to change your voice? I don't know, but there is some green shoots there. Just
2: because they win 20th player of the year doesn't no, mean no, the first No, no, but grades.
1: you clearly got some ability if you've yeah. been rated the best player in a whole competition.
2: Did He He won that award, I think, as a surprise, though. Didn't he, he Won no. it over someone? No.
1: No. Okay. He was a clear standout, and he was part of some good teams and involved. Like I said, over over a period there, they lost those few we spoke about. but There's been Horsberg, Ueli. There's been a lot of guys come through that. Anari, Tawala, et cetera. But there's a few good young guys to work there. Robson, obviously, is looking like a really, really good boy at the moment. So if you're a prospective coach right now, looking at those few guys, along with, say, Atal Malolo and Maguire, who's playing some good football, if you took that job, and they've obviously got a good pathway coming through with some great success in schoolboy football with Kerwin, State High and a few things they have got relationships with, you're probably not in a bad situation straight away if you can offload, as we said, just a few of those guys that probably are just a little bit past it. You need to get rid of yeah, O'Neill. You also, you need, you're going to have time to do that. Yeah, because you're <laughs> starting afresh, you can work yeah. with the kids, get rid of a few. They're guys a good spot. There.
2: They're the best job out of the three that are available so far by Country Mile. Yeah, new stadium, um, and like you said, it's one team, one town. There's no one yeah. within Kuwait, and
1: they're killing it in the junior are. ranks. So they've got a nice flow of players that are going to be coming in yeah. the next few years. So you're, it's you're important really two years
2: spot. for the Cowboys coming up.
1: All right, so Josh Hanno's got a crack right now at the interim coach, but candidates, you know, obviously everyone straight away he says Wayne Bennett might be interested in that one. I. would I don't know about that. I don't think he would go up there. In all honesty, like. But
2: again, think? I think if he's going to go to one, dogs, warriors, or cowboys, right now. it'd he's Probably not be going the cowboys
1: to the or the dog. dogs' jobs gone, as far as we basically <laughs> have heard now with yeah. Trent Barrett. But yeah,
2: but I'm saying until it's confirmed and they make an announcement, if you're looking at the three jobs, I'd I'd want the Cowboys job.
1: Yeah, Griffin was one that was mentioned again because <sighs> he's up that way, and then today, the one that a lot of people brought in was Peyton, who's previously been there. Apparently, got a good relationship with the board, but. Obviously, he's still in the running for the Warriors job unless he doesn't want it, but I assume... But the
2: thing is that the Cowboys don't have to rush in and employ someone. No, Go not. through a process. Make sure you get the right person. Um, oh, they've got plenty of time. This is a very, very, very important decision that they're about to make.
1: Yep, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it'll be interesting. So I don't want to speculate on who, no, we're But they're, they're the first look, few names that have popped up. That's with, what the media
2: is going to do for the next yeah, three months. We can talk about on. plenty more, but we we're now in a few
1: weeks it. or a week or so. What they're thinking, and I'm sure again, internal- Yeah,
2: buy through who's leaked through the media. Ah. I, I don't know. Look, well, they'll, not they'll, they'll go through. Yeah, managers I'll, give all the information. They'll go yeah. through a, a process, and but that's hopefully like it's it's a long one, and they interview plenty of people. And like like I said, they have got time. Give Josh Henry some time. You never know. Like he, he, again, he's probably sitting there thinking, well, why not me?
1: Well, I think he's done some time in the Queensland Cup why and some me? pathways, so he's actually same deal. Yeah, he's an ex He's um, been at the club.
2: You know, he's got a lot of a lot of ticks. And he's familiar. The players are familiar with him. But it may may be that the players go, well, no, we want someone totally different. Well, but, we're going to
1: see, I guess. We've yeah. got 10 rounds to go with yeah. the interim staff. and
2: That's what I'm saying. Give him
1: some time. Got some young players that have been blooded in. Holmes is potentially done for the rest of the year. We'll see more of these young kids in this group and see what they can get out of them. Yeah. But Cowboys job, uh, like we said, up for grabs And Paul Green. Uh, we'll talk about him in a couple of tackles' time, linked to another job already. But tackle two, the Bulldog situation. We've already heard last week, like we spoke about, that Trent Barrett was looking like the man to get the job. Had some queries over that. In my opinion, again, right now, I think the last thing, if I'm him for my second job, is that's the one I want. But if he's that keen to jump back in the fire and he thinks he can mm. do the job, well it looks like he's taking the plunge because from all reports today and now...
2: Got, he hasn't got the job yet and they're going out and signing people. Well,
1: that was the one I was going to say. Like Kotrick was happening before Barrett was linked to the job and then... But I know Dean
2: of, wasn't able to recruit
1: anyone. Nah. And a lot of fans, I know, are happy with that. And I like Nick Kotrick as a player as well. But if you told me tomorrow we have $3 million to spend, my first priority is not to go spend $650,000 on a guy that was a good centre in SG ball and hasn't played there since. And hasn't played. I'd
2: want I'd want Nick Cotric playing fullback.
1: Well, even again, I if don't gonna know. If I'm going to pay him six
2: fifty, he's playing fullback,
1: and that was the position he played coming through as well. Yeah. He played between those two, but
2: he has at the moment like centre. You can go and you can go and get a, get a good decent centre for, half center for exactly.
1: I don't know why you're marquee signing in a rebuild.
2: Tell me now which centre in the game, probably apart from Joey Manu, has a significant impact on the game at centre. Who you would pay six hundred fifty thousand dollars for? There you go. Like the fact that you yeah. can't think of one is it says everything.
1: Well, I'm still racking my brain right. Probably now.
2: Stephen Crichton. You go and pay.
1: And that, again, close like to that, he's young. Right now, you, yeah. it's might, a lot of money. Someone might it. make the offer, but Penrith, if they hit the market tomorrow, they wouldn't offer him. 16, no, they would no. like, But if
2: I'm the dogs, I probably would. Yeah.
1: But yeah, for Kotrick, I oh, is a rep player. Yes, I know. Everyone said we've got a kangaroo, in New South. Wales. Yeah, but again, as a winger, and I think the best part of Kotrick's games is yardage, and I don't think he's been. He's been okay this year. He hasn't been great, but no. of all my first targets, it wouldn't be $650,000 for Nick Kotrick to play center. No, that's And again, people keep saying $3 million, $3 million. That doesn't include re-signing players. So they still haven't locked up Fire Mara and a few of the guys they're probably going to want to keep, who they're probably going to give a bump to. Mm. Do they keep Elliot? We don't know, but they apparently tried to lowball him until Tigers, Dragons, Raiders, and a bunch of other clubs jumped in. So they've got a decision to make it there. It's realistically, if you looked at re-signing two or three of the other guys they're going to want to keep, you could probably say they're already down to about two million bucks. Yeah. So their next few decisions. That's four
2: good players, really.
1: And also on Thompson. Like, I liked what I saw in England, but the first two games, I know he's only just got here. He's been and, okay. And he's not in a great side. He looks okay. Yeah. He doesn't look like an absolute world better yet, but even that
2: he one, ne- He needs these 10 games and he needs a preseason. Yeah.
1: And for the Barrett situation, we already heard it last week. The gentleman's agreement, or the hands-off thing, like as if that's going to last anyway. Give it twelve months. He'll yeah, be... but if
2: a player says Trent, I want to go and play for you, I don't have yeah. an
1: opportunity here. Penriff can't. Is that tell poaching? They can't go. That's not poaching. No. That might
2: just.
1: are going to be Panthers players that follow Barrett. Hundred percent simple because they see it also. Like a lot of young guys, there was an opportunity to play first grade. Group correct. Because they will <laughs> yeah, look at the correct. Panthers' backyard and the players coming through and the competition there. If they feel there's a path of resistance and there's an easier opportunity elsewhere, especially if they're probably. On that fringe, a few guys will probably want to make the plunge. Of course. Penrith can't hold on everybody. No. But, yeah, the big one that everyone's already throwing up is, oh, he'll take Burton, he'll take Burton. I'm like, well, Penrith, I'm sure, from everything I've heard in the past few weeks prior to even this happening, have long-term plans for him, and it may not even be in the halves. But they're, He'll they're,
2: take Burton. It's like Burton, what is he, a can of, can of Coke?
1: Yeah. It's not a can of Coke. Like,
2: <laughs> in the end, he's got to make up his own yeah. mind.
1: He'll decide whether he wants to be there and if that's the right opportunity. But also, again... If he thinks he's a half and penner from all ways they've started talk, almost look at him more like a way Graham with the frame from the bits and pieces I've heard, if he doesn't see himself in that mould, that might push him out the door in 12 months' time. Mm. You don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to play out between now and then. They've already linked Manly players to Like Honestly, the Manly players, after what happened within 12 months of him being there and then Des being there, I'm sure most of those guys would be more keen... There's no way on board in a more stable situation with Des Hasler and Manly, yeah. Then to jump into the fire. That's not because of Barrett that the Bulldogs are in at the moment. Unless you're getting situation. paid overs. Exactly.
2: And then if they pay overs, then the Bulldogs are going to end up in the same spot. Again.
1: Yeah. And then the board, who are already fractional, <laughs> then start infighting. Yeah. And then guys that didn't put him in might want to get rid of him yeah, when they yeah, take yeah, control. go around and around and around again. It's a very, very difficult situation. But the only mm-hmm. thing I can say, from all reports and everything you hear, he is a good coach. But I said it the other week. Does he have the nous for recruitment? Yeah. does he have the assistance is he going to be able to get him around him is he going to get the help from above is he got control of buying like they've already bought nick kotrick basically before he's got there yeah is that the way things are going to play out he got frustrated with the manly situation and that was over furniture some equipment and some little bits and pieces so mm. uh, that didn't turn out too well obviously we had a few other incidents as well the jackson hastings situation which i thought uh was handled pretty poorly and then a lot of people praised a lot of the recruitment, other bits and pieces, when we all knew that Bob Fulton went in there and handled a lot of that for him the first time around. Yeah. And some of the other comments more internally from the club, let alone the few players, the Travoy... I've said this before. The Travoych is never going to say anything bad about anyone. But some of the words that came out afterwards is that he basically had torn the joint apart and a lot weren't a big fan of him. So yeah. he's loved it. Penrith, same deal again. Everything looks good. We've spoken about this before, though. It's easy to be a good cop when you're an assistant. When you're the actual coach and you're in control... Let's hope that he had some learning experiences from the manly situation. He moves into this one and he wins early because if he doesn't win early and that board's still fractured and there's tensions there and people that didn't want him involved, you can guarantee within 12 to 18 months there's going to be drums beaten already. Correct. Okay. But if he thinks uh, this is the right job for him, all the best to him. But, yeah, for the Bulldogs, I'm, I'm a bit with you. I kind of thought that today. Who agreed to get Kotrick if he wasn't ever – they were in the process of doing this before they even had a coach. This is very Newcastle signing Hodgkinson for like 800 grand before Brown took the job. And within 12 months, Brown was like, what are we doing? Mm. Like, why did, we, why did you give him that contract? It's not good business to be signing players without a coach in charge. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for Bulldogs fans, like I said, you've been through a lot. I really do hope it works out. They need to be a successful club. They need to be doing well. Fingers crossed this is the right decision. They spend the rest of the money well and things do turn around. Tackle three. The Brisbane Broncos, the ultimatum that's been handed down. They got absolutely lapped 48 zip uh, by the Tigers. They were disgraceful. And it was basically what we said about last week that they were talking like we took control of the week, this, that, and the other. And I, I, you know, if they weren't playing the Bulldogs or anything else, they would have got beat even worse, I reckon. Nothing changed. No. He's in between a rock and a hard place. He's been (laughs) stoned from all sides. Um, Every ex player, every person in the media. They're all calling for his blood. Why aren't you making changes? Then they bring up the fact there's 15 players. People are still going, he hasn't made a change. Like, what do you want him to do? Really, in this situation, like there, there was chances earlier to make some changes, but he stuck solid. I still think the one thing that's kind of bothering me is every time he speaks, it's always, hey, yeah, it's my fight I'm account. Like, put some account. I'm not saying hang your players out to dry, but challenge your fucking players. Challenge the group and like every time I see something in the dressing shed or him in the box and all that, the other, like it just, it's very flat and it's very passive and it's almost like he doesn't want to unleash some sort of emotion or let a little bit of frustration out. But I, I don't know, I'm a bit dumbfounded. The, the ultimatum, again, I don't understand to say you need to win five of your last 10 with the results they've already got now. Still missing 14, 15 players. I think they get a couple of guys back this week, but like you either think he's the right man for the job and you go in the direction that you set out to go in, which was obviously to let go of some bigger contracts and some guys that weren't pulling their weight, and we're still seeing those kind of guys like Darius Boyd, <laughs> Anthony Milford right now, and build with his side, mm. or you're off. And if you're off and you get another coach in, well, then you start the process again because yeah. someone else might come in and go, I don't like half of these guys.
2: No coach is going to fix that, the way that team's playing. No. It's not the coach that's the problem. However, I think he's starting to look... A little bit lost for answers, yeah, and he's starting to look. Um, like his body language isn't good. No. I- I'll say that. Like I, I, I feel for him, uh, but you know, I'm glad he's wielded the axe a little bit this week. I sort of sit in the same spot as I have for the last month, either back him or sack him. Yes, yeah, uh, he. <clears throat> I, I want to see how they go with um, Katoni Starks and Dave Feder back in the team. I, I-, I think. There is little to no talk about the impact that not having those two players in the team is having on the side because you look at them prior to, prior to COVID, they pumped um, the opposition in their first two games um, and, they, and they looked a, a completely different team. Now, how they came it came out post-COVID it had a little bit to do with the rules, had a little bit obviously to do with what they did during that break and then some injuries. Uh, they, they've lost a couple of close games. Like they could have easily beaten Manly. I think there was another close game in there as well that they, they could have potentially won. But the ultimatum is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, if that's true, it, Seabold should just quit. You'd be because it, it's, it's, it's essentially saying, we don't want to sack you now, yeah. but we're going to sack you at the end of the year, and this is the way we're going to do it. Yeah. this this is going to be our excuse to sack you at the end of the year because even if they win five games they don't make the eight they're not they're not a, what they're dishing up at the moment will i'd probably say that they're, they're playing the worst football of anyone in the competition I, I know they beat the bulldogs two weeks ago but at least the bulldogs have a crack like I, I really don't i really don't think the bulldogs i really don't think the broncos are having a crack Nah. And and uh, I don't know what you can't, without being um, internal to what's going on, it's very, very hard to know where the blame lies. But have those players got no ticker, got no pride in their own performance? Like I never ran out into a field and thought I'm not having a crack today because of who the coach is yeah. or because of the game plan That's... or because of whatever. Like in the end, you get out on the field and you own your behaviour, you own how you play. You own your effort. If if our tactics and our strategy is off, then, yeah, that comes back to the coach. Or if there are decisions and interchanges and things that are made and selections or whatever, that's on the coach. And, look, I think there's a few things, you know, the Dearden and moving Milford and the, the keep selecting Darius Boyd. I don't agree with any of them. I think he's, he's wrong on all those areas. But it's very easy for me to have an opinion when I'm not internal to what's going on. He's, he's there working his ring off. I guarantee that and he's picking the side that he thinks is best Um, because there's no way he wants to get sacked. He's not picking the team so he gets sacked, and so there's more pressure.
1: So The one thing I won't cop to, I think people just need to... The media narrative and the hammering and the ex-players and all the bullshit about that, like... There's no leadership when they're in behind the trial and rah, 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 rah. The oldest guy they've got there is Darius. Like, Darius Boyd, of all people, is fucking mailing it in. And they're like, make him captain again. Well, I had an argument, with make someone him responsible about this, here yeah. again. And he play fullback again. He was saying that. He's not
2: fucking trying. In in one sentence, a lot of people say, they've got no leadership. And then in the next sentence, the same person Darius will say Boyd. to you, oh, get rid of Milford and Boyd. And it's like, hang on a minute. They're their two most experienced but players. It's just so. the
1: point I'm going back. Like, the guys that are really mailing it in, and I. I can't throw it under the bus. I'm going to throw it there. And a lot of people are going to blow up and go, oh, you're in the line or you don't. I know somebody who's in that bubble. And I spoke to a relative this week who speaks to them. And I, again, asked them, basically, you were coached by him at some stage. again, not going to name names. They reckon he's a good coach. This person who's in the bubble says he's a good coach. Their biggest thing is basically what we talked about before. The words that I was hearing were selfish, individual, could not be more fractured, and it's not because of him. There's people there that think they're entitled to be rep players and all these other things already and are just fractured within. So mm. I don't care who coaches and Put Kevy in there. Paul Green is the one I was going to mention before. It's already been linked to the job. Maybe they could change things if they get in there, drop a few guys, whip it into shape, and, and put a bit of time into it. But it's not going to change by tomorrow. We've already seen these few guys take their options, no, taking I think- the piss, get what- their money, and we're seeing some young guys again. It's just, if they They're sack together him, it's just all.
2: taking pressure off the hierarchy.
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, again, they said it this way. Carl Morris. I
2: want to know who's responsible for the roster. Paul
1: White and everybody else has been involved in the last three or four sackings and a lot of recruitment. Darren Lockyer has had his hands over everything as well. So this mm-hmm. is not as simple as just the coach. No, it's
2: not.
1: They're the ones who hired him as well. So if they end up backflipping on this and the size of the deal and the decision they've made, they might as well just clean the whole joint out. Yeah, yeah, ben has already been linked
2: blast. to the job. CEO job, yeah. and I
1: think he was at the Cowboys board at some stage for a while. He's previously. on the QRL board now, I think. And he's been on a few boards, but like again, and he'd this, be good. He, this is the thing when people like, oh, go, you keep def- like you're, you're saying he can't actually coach." Like it's not defending how they're playing. Like your his actual ability to coach, he can coach. Yeah, it's not defending the Broncos or idiots that get bent out of shape going, "Oh, you stick up for a." He can coach. There's bigger issues here that sometimes can't be overcome and like you said if you've, i've been handed this ultimatum and I'm him maybe it isn't yeah but messages. if it's
2: fractured it's his job to fix it well, he's got to try and fix you it can't. Yeah. I, I think and if if he can't then that's almost amicable in that you, you i would go to the board and go well th- this is the these are the issues we've got i've done a b c d e to try and fix it it's it's not working so either suck me or just accept the way that it is and accept that you know, until this point in time, I'm, I'm not going to be able to change it. Because he can't change it until he can punt those players, really.
1: And again, if they've got some guys... Or, in that group, or they get
2: some of these players back from injury. Go and look at their injury list.
1: It is bad, but they're still playing horribly. But again... They, they are, are, they're playing terribly. Go back to more the point that we said again. It still comes back to the individual and the group, and they look like a group of individuals. They're not having a fucking crack. Young, That's old, simple as that. everyone is on their own island. There's nobody there that looks like they're in cahoots or they're happy, or they're playing for one another. It looks like everybody's just out And you can me. blame
2: whoever you want. Blame the coach, blame the board, blame the CEO, blame, the, blame the fucking greenskeeper. In the in end of the, the day, the players, players. come on, go onto the field and they're dogging it. Yeah. Simple as that.
1: They are disgusting. <laughs> yep. And,
2: and I, I don't think the Tigers are world beaters either. No.
1: Nah, and they put they, a
2: score on them. They, they they re- the it, looked like, it looked like a reserve grade team against an NRL side.
1: But that's the point again, so I go off... In wet weather. If Madge was in there, he'd turn... There. Madge could go Please. yell until he's blue in the face. If you've got selfish individuals and a couple oh, of older man. guys who are getting paid and guaranteed, they're just going to sit and look at him and go, fuck off, mate, what are you going to do about the
2: only, it? The only thing that would work in there now, if that's the problem, is someone who enabled that behaviour. Well, he just goes in and just says, OK, boys, yeah, you can all be selfish, whatever. D- I mean, do what you want to do. Pr- and that's that, there's no, there. no long term longevity in that.
1: But the same problem was being spoke of before... You know, even the takeover that there was a bit of a divide between young and old, and there were oh, some people please. with a bit of ego. And there's a few older guys, like last year when they went out a drink and a poke and a play around before they went, that are just kind of mailing it in. So yeah. it's not going to be fixed overnight if they do It's not going to they, be fixed
2: this season. This season is gone. Oh, no, it's gone. It's,
1: it's I, gone. I put it this way. And I don't think they're going to win five games, so he's what? going to lose his job. I
2: don't think that ultimatum even exists. Well. And if it does, if it he does. should quit now. Yeah,
1: that's right. If, if I,
2: can, if, if if I was a at Brisbane going. and someone, oh, I walked into a boardroom and they said that to me, I'd say, thanks, yeah. here's my resignation. I'd
1: go. So get Kevin Wilders now or get whoever you want and I'll
2: go because, see what you can do. And people would say that's ludicrous, but he's been paid, he would have been paid a mil and a half to almost two mil of his deal now. It, it also, and the longer this goes on, the worse you. it is for his reputation. Exactly. And yeah. it's
1: like green if he stays for the whole year and... More things leak about him. or Kearney yeah. getting chewed up at the Warriors, and they get pumped every week. Like even though it was forced by the club, agreeing to just you know I- I'm just going to go now. Nathan, you know, Br- he- he Nathan Brown spoke to go to about um... the same thing with the Newcastle thing last year. He goes, "It would have been worse for me to just hang like, around and keep copping yeah. that." He goes, "I walked in, I asked them like if I'm like I wasn't meant to, you know, I literally said like if if I'm not the man for the job, tell me and I'll go." Yeah. And I agreed mutually to leave, and he said the same thing when he was in England when he had that group of players at Huddersfield that were all on board and they overachieved for a couple of years. But once he signed with St. Helens, their results just flipped and he basically asked them, like, is it untenable for me to be in there or is this situation just not working for us? And instead of staying there, copping the damage and things getting worse and more defiant separation, he removed himself from the situation and things improved. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. They've got a lot bigger problems again than everyone just beating the drum on Seabal. But if it does come down to it and things keep going the way they are and he stays on for the rest of the year. They need to clean house on all levels.
2: Mm.
1: All levels. Like Paul White we already know is going but Carl Morris, Peter Nolan, the recruitment guy, Darren Lockie was on the board. All these people that have touted all these contracts, said Dearden was the next big thing. Now he can't get a game. The shit contracts that existed beforehand. Like even McCulloch who's out right now. If McCulloch can't get a deal anywhere else, he's come back next year.
2: Mm.
1: Like Jordan Carhu this year. You think he wants Jordan Carhu? That's not his problem. Yeah. The only real decision everyone's saying, he wanted Brody. Well, he may have said, I like Brody because I had him at Melbourne, but he didn't sign him. The Brisbane have a re- recruitment and retention panel, everyone above him that do those sort of things. He's partly responsible for wanting him, That's probably, yes. Yeah. But They, oh, they yeah. agreed more with the situation, as we said, that he was probably really keen on that young group. He played reserve grad at the Broncos. He's from the area. It's the dream job. He took the job he left south. And right now, it's a fucking nightmare. But there's a lot more people responsible than just the coach. And if I'm Kevin Walters or whatever else, even if he's eligible for that job right now, I think I'd be more interested in the cowboy situation. Sack the coach. If, if that's, that's more stable. that's what
2: everyone wants, sack the coach. Sack And then just see that that's not the issue.
1: You wouldn't think you know, in this sort of lifetime that you'd be looking at Brisbane going, is that really a place you want to go right now? A lot would need to change at Brisbane.
2: Yeah, but why? Because everyone's still living in the 90s. It's not the 90s. No, I know. And the club is still living in the 90s. So until they um start manufacturing and developing their own players, they're gonna be in that in the situation they're in now. I, I think the loss of the under twenty system has hurt Brisbane as well, I think, in my my personal belief. But they have developed because those values. yeah, but those those players in sixteens, eighteens, twenties are now not playing against the best in New South Wales. It's very, very insular. I think they' I think the interest super cup has been exposed in the last few years as well because the New South Wales Cup sides have just murdered the Queensland Cup sides I think they've got a they've got a problem there with the fact that a lot of those players are just developed purely in Queensland they don't play anyone from an Australia wide basis until they play NRL I think they've been exposed the kids that are coming into first grade now at Brisbane are not as ready for first grade as what they were previously. That's just my personal view. I think when, even when they had the 20s, you think Jai Arrow, you think Ash Taylor. Like, I know Ash Taylor's not playing great footy now, but a lot of the guys that came through the 20s system, the NYC system at Brisbane, came in and looked ready to play first grade. Now, all the, a lot of these players have come in and they don't look ready. Maybe it's because they've, they've put too many through at the, at the one time.
1: Yeah, Maybe. I, I, that's the bigger issue and they've got the wrong veterans who are just, like we say it all the time, you, you talk. Yeah, look, I
2: think that letting McCulloch go was a mistake but that was one, mate, it was just an accident because he, you know, Turpin got injured a week, a week after he let. Yeah, so they it was just bad timing. But I, I would then say, so I'd be critical of Seabold in that. I would say, realistically, you should have let go of, of Pakes. if From a roster perspective... If Turpin's your number one hooker, who's your number two hooker? It's McCulloch. Yeah. So you should never let go of your number two hooker. Like
1: actually release Pakes? No, go on loan Pakes. I would but have said to... No one knew who Pakes was. Like he was an Australian schoolboy's half. No, no, no. I, I, in, I get all that. So...
2: But my job as Brisbane head coach is to look after Brisbane, not Newcastle. Mm. Okay. So that's, you know, whether he did it for salary cap. Yeah, but but I don't salary, think it... Cap. Yeah. But then, then again, who does that fall back on? Like he's only been there for twelve months, so is it his cap he's trying to manage, or is it decisions that they've made, you know, around Boyd and Milford and all these other contracts that he had nothing to do with? It? he's trying to relieve pressure. Well, I think between to sign the other players, him and so, the
1: club they're scrambling still to get money for Fida and other guys. Of course they are. I think the one deal, and I said this last week and a couple of times, the one deal I think they'd really regret is Lodge. If you knew the rule changes were coming, yeah, Lodge is the last one of that group I would have signed because I don't think he fits the way the game's going. No, he and doesn't. an ACL as well, you've got him But, in but you can't many.
2: criticise that decision. No, because, that decision was again, made based was on the constraints at that point in time. When Villani's
1: brought that rule, and I'm not knocking the rule, I love it, but Lodge definitely in your eyes is... Yeah,
2: but you can't be critical of the, no, whoever made that decision.
1: The, the only other one I, I, I was again 50-50 on, we talked about last year, is when Pungwe Jr. was been spoke of for the money he got. He didn't get it, but consistency-wise, he still, again, doesn't play well enough, often enough for the money I think, that he ended up on. Yeah, I agree with that. So there's one or two there if they were going to rejig things again. But the fact of the matter is there's still about $3 million in dead money and a couple of guys that he doesn't want there. He wouldn't want Milford. He doesn't want McCulloch. And he doesn't want Boyd. That burden is still sitting there staring you right in the face. And Jack Bird is still sitting there. Is Emil sitting on the sideline? There's been some talk, again, every so often that he's linked to this club, he's linked to that club, someone might be interested. How much are you going to be willing to chip in for a guy that's. I'd, I'd chip in half it. Just been busted for a couple of years. I'd,
2: if I'm Brisbane, I'd pay half it. And
1: that's the thing for Brisbane. Because they, that would then allow
2: me to keep feeder.
1: To decide that, you know, just somebody, anybody, hmm. pay four fifty, five hundred of the $900, and it's escalating, I think, close to a million next season. Somebody pay half and we'll just cut tight.
2: Yeah, or if they've got money on the cap now, but again, I try and think- pay some of that contract off now rather than going and buying another player
1: he's made mistakes but the club's made a lot more mistakes than he has and if it, they do go that way like you said and they're, they're going to fire him I'd quit now and again they can hire Kev or they can go looking at Paul Green or they can do whatever they can do but this isn't going to be turned around in the next twelve months mm. this is not going to be fixed in one season Oh no,
2: let's move on we've spoken about Brisbane enough
1: four the Warriors. And these are all the situations, again, involving coaches, clubs, and everything that's going on. Well, it's more. They've just lost four players. Yeah. well, I They're think... down to,
2: what, 21 in their
1: squad? Uh, aren't they playing this weekend and then they're gone? I think this is the last round. I'm pretty sure they're gone. I thought they said the flight was booked just after the Roosters game. I'll get the lineups up here. Fusitua, Marmolo are still here. Okay, Parsi, I don't know if he's injured or suspended, but it's got him out. And the other one was King... Vuna Yawa, who's going to go home as well. But they're going to lose four when they've already got a bunch of injuries before they kick the ball. Massive issues. he's been good for him when he's been loaned in. They obviously signed Murchie, <laughs> but they're going to need a lot more players if they're going to drop four. And in particular, they're back but three. But also, they're,
2: start, they're starting to wilt on the field.
1: Yeah, and they're back three is one of the and best. And you know,
2: players. it was we're going to sack Kearney and it's going to change. Well, it fucking hasn't changed.
1: No. Because
2: no. Kearney wasn't the problem.
1: No. And if you're Todd Payton and this is your job interview, you're like, wow, great, cheers for that. This is a great situation to take over and show my worth. When uh, He basically said it as well. They likened it to a deaf in the family in the playing squad. People were literally talking about leaving, not just because their own families at the time, but they were just so disappointed the way that it was handled.
2: Yeah, I spoke about this last week, the difference between expectations and club and coach on a playing group. I'll throw it out I hope out there. that he's aligned with... I hope the club and Peyton are aligned on what their expectations are for the rest of this year because really, I think they'll be lucky to win another two games of the last 10.
1: I'll throw it out there right now though. I thought a few weeks ago they would really struggle to get loan players and I know a lot of people have been hit with injury but I think there's a few clubs now when they're throwing guys in seeing how underdone they are that if they do have one or two spare that they might be happy to help the Warriors at this point only if they're not injury prone because I think some of the clubs are starting to see how hard it is for guys who literally haven't been getting any football at all to come into a squad and contribute or perform unless they're say an outside back or someone who's not constantly playing, but in particularly middle players or guys that are involved for 80 minutes of the game or big pieces of the game, Mm. there's been a few guys come in and they're just blowing or they're struggling. So there's not many that don't have their injury concerns. And I don't know who would be really interested to chip in right now. Or if not, if you've got someone within your 36, who's just a good young player who you're not willing to blood right now, I'd be calling the Warriors. Yeah. This is the time to do Yeah. But it's not going to get any better. Their games each week, basically, unless they have one of those weeks where they're up for it.
2: But, I mean, how does that help them long term? No, it
1: doesn't. Because it's
2: going to have players going in and out. Their, and their out, games and this
1: out. season are almost a buy right now. No offence to them. And you can't blame them. Yeah. They've got guys that came over. They fired yeah. their coach. The situation's got worse. They had a shit tonne of injuries. They're missing their families, their kids. Um, it's a hard situation. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to get any better, so... With uh any of our Warriors fans out there, I, I do feel sorry for you, but this situation obviously, the no, way no, it's no, manifest no. has affected them more than anyone. I don't feel sorry for But on the flip side of that and I'll say to some of these guys, guys as well that were leaving and the first thing some people brought up is well are they gonna get paid? Well my opinion is I think the club said and the NRL they've sorted out they're gonna pay seventy or eighty percent or what I don't know if that's what's remaining or what the deal is, but in my opinion if the Competition needs to go on, given these extenuating circumstances, and you have to be here, and you want your money. To me, you have to play. Of course. So, if the club was to say to them, "Well, no, I'm sorry, like I understand your situation, that's great, but we're just going to pay you to go home," when we're losing every week and we're struggling, and we employ you to play rugby league, like I'll still go back to what we said before: there is people much worse off than the Warriors players. Mm-hmm. You're lucky to be an NRL player. You get okay. paid. A lot of guys get paid good money. Some probably don't get paid. Top dollar, but there's a few of the guys that are going home are internationals or good players. Ken Marmolo, David Fussy too, are good players. Parsi would have went there on decent wedge when he left your mob. Like Not massive wedge, but better than your average person who's laying bricks Mm -hmm. or digging holes or doing whatever. A couple hundred thousand bucks easily. Yeah, I agree. So you can't cry poor on that front. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be harder and harder to watch the Warriors as the season goes on. But coaching candidate, the big thing last Mm -hmm. week which got me excited, the Walker brothers Mm -hmm. might finally find themselves an opportunity and I could not think of a better club and more to the point where you talked about before as far as people trying to force structure and other bits and pieces on them to come in and adapt the way they like the game to be played to the skill set and the way that the New Zealand juniors or players tend to like to play the game which is free flowing lots of ball movement promoting the ball um, keeping it alive Like, like, and, and also they're used to working under harsher circumstances they're not going to get top line recruits they're going to have to work with young kids they're going to have to make some smart buyers, and they'll be able to find players if they did get that job or find juniors that meld into the way that they'd like to play. And if there was ever a place you'd like to try the sort of coaching style or system that they'd run, I don't think there could be a better place than the Warriors. No, I agree. So for the Only club, they, fit. they could either take a winger on you know, a, a random rookie coach or give it to Peyton or give it to someone else, or they could take a risk. and just. They were talking one year, which I found a bit weird, but at the same time, if they go, look, if You do this for a year and try to implement the system, and we have a look at it. And if it doesn't look like it's working out, we move on and we go for a big fish. Mm. Or you've got 12 months, prove to us that this system or your way of coaching can work. And if it does work, <clears throat> you know, they've put some things in place for better junior development. We saw the junior under 18s come over and play this year in the Australian competition, which is something they've been criticized for a long time.
2: I'm glad we didn't have to yeah. go over and play. They
1: looked very, very good. They had some good results. There's some good kids there. Now they've linked up with Redcliffe, so again, they're not worrying about flying in now, New Zealand or taking out their local A grade. They're going to feed in with one of the powerhouses in the Queensland competition, which will also give them access also to Queensland kids, I'm guessing as well, or a pathway to get maybe a, a one or two out of there yeah. to bring into their system. They're putting some good things in place. Yeah. But if there was ever a place I think uh, the Walkers could work or you're going to get an op- give them an opportunity, this wouldn't be the worst one. No, I agree. Uh, and again, now that Payton's linked another job... I'm assuming he'd take whatever job he could get, but I'm sure if they got a phone call tomorrow saying, you can have this, or the Cowboys said, we want you, you can almost guarantee he's going to be flying to the Cowboys. Yeah. So for the Warriors, interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, The Roosters, lots of injuries. Another one on the weekend, and I'm not taking away from the Raiders. They got lots of injuries as well, and it was a great performance, but now they've lost Crichton as well. In particular with the ones that are season-ending, you think they're more back to the pack now? Of course
2: they are. Absolutely. Right, right back to the pack. And their performances have shown that in the last few weeks. Um, you know, Verrills went on to score the first try in the grand final. He started ahead of Jake Friend. He gave them real balance at the hooker position. Uh, Victor Radley is probably their best middle defender. Um Angus Crichton, edge back rower. Boy, Corden has been carrying his injuries. Well, he's going
1: to continue to be in and out as well. He's got a bad you knee. Know, knock problems.
2: at um, the looks fit, but you know he's had his concussion issues. Tedesco's had knee issues. He seems to be obviously well past them, but it just yeah, things aren't lining up as perfectly as as the Roosters would hope.
1: Well, they're getting thinner but, now, Crichton you know, again. Like,
2: really, you'd rather have your injuries now than later. Like if they can get them all now and then land top four and then hit the finals fit and firing, they're going to be hard to beat. But, um, you know, that they've already lost two for the season, any more than that. Uh, I, th- I think now anyone in the top four, in my opinion, can win the comp.
1: I think the other big issue, and we spoke about this as well, with those injuries, it takes away your opportunities to rotate and rest. And they've already got bumps and bruises of guys that kind of have. Problems that have to be managed, but they're already thin with losing those players. So now you're placing more pressure on guys to play bigger minutes, like your two Benue's, who's come back, etc. Who are good players, but they're going to make mistakes and they're going to have to learn. Mm. But you're now basically saying, "Well, Jake, friend, we got no one else. Like Lamb can play a little bit of time, but do we throw F- Fred Lusick in this week? Which I think they're looking at doing because they're playing the Warriors. It'd be a good time to bloody him if you are going to, but yeah. they can't afford to rest, friend, if they want to be top four. Yeah. They no. can't afford to give Tedesco a week on and off like they've been doing." The Morris's in particular, Brett has a chronic knee injury. They've been rotating him and out. They've already got Hall injured. And now Tupo, they can't afford to rest him either. Cordner, if he's got issues with his knee or he's had a couple of head knocks, like all these guys now, they basically need him on board every week. Yeah. So I think one thing we know about Robinson and the Roosters, and I think as a club and a culture of a group, if there's anyone I think could afford to probably implement more resting during the week or less load, if they feel that's going to kind of, trying to counterbalance that because they don't have as many players to rotate in and rest their squad, I think they'll take that pathway. Mm. But with what they've lost so far and having guys like Liu come back early from broken ribs and now they've lost Crichton or getting Butcher back in this week after his injury, they're already trying to get guys back in a lot quicker than what they would have in the past when they had access to their full squad. They're not the only ones dealing with it. But coming back into this, off the break, everyone on board, we would have looked at them like we spoke about with all this depth, great squad, and said they're the one to beat. But losing all these players and putting some more strain on some of these guys now that have some issues, ongoing issues to carry, they're definitely back to the pack. Mm. No doubt about it. Uh, And the last one here, one that you kind of sent through to me, the Eels last fortnight you wanted to talk about.
2: Yeah, well, they've played at Bankwest for the majority of the season and then the last two weeks they travelled to Newcastle, put in a bit of a stinker, got away with it, and then went to Brookvale and just got jumped were almost emotionless. They were almost Brisbane-like for that first half. Uh, they made every error known to man. They had two pretty much just guys walk over the trial line that were untouched. So I've, I've got a little bit of a, a few concerns arising about the Eels. Maybe it's just a mid-season blip and they'll they'll get back on that um, the horse and continue to push on in the form that we saw at the start of the year. But, yeah, I've got, I've got some concerns over what I've seen in the last two weeks around the Eels.
1: Yeah, I'm probably not reading as much into it. I know some people have brought it up, but you know they only had one loss up until that point. I didn't think Moses was as big a loss as a lot, what a lot of people thought. I think for the kicking side of things, yes. I don't know if Field's a completely different player, but I think the way their forward pack is and the balance through their side and Brown proving his worth the last few weeks, Moses is definitely a better player than Field overall, but I thought they handled it well. But the weekend, up against a desperate Manly side who's fallen out of the eight, had a couple of poor results, I think that's just classic Manly. They they jumped him at Brookvale, got yeah, a win. Madison you know and what? Ferguson pulled out late. You know, also, Oregon, I think Confuci, it's classic... Um, no Ray Stone. Up. Like there's, there's four or five guys that could have played for him that weren't available. So mm. I'm not going to read a whole lot into it, but I, I still do think what we spoke about probably before the season, if you look at their spine as compared to a few of the others at absolute best, I still don't think they have the best spine out of, say, the premiership contenders. But at the same time, Melbourne's made... A prelim and a grand final with spines that I didn't think were all that crash hot. So mm. I think Parramatta's overall squad still very, very good. Still think their forward pack depth is very, very good. Uh, I think they're still a top four side and going to be one of the contenders for the for
2: I'm the not saying they're not a top four side. Mm. That, the form concerns me, though. Mm.
1: Well, there you go. There's our set of six and the six tackles we've got. Power rankings, Brock. Back to doing the power rankings this week. Brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the crew there. Get on board if you're looking for a system. It's that time of year, getting before summer kicks off. We halved our bills or more with the system we got. Uh, obviously, size-wise, it depends what you can fit on the roof, but they'll come up with the best one suited to you, so you're not wasting money and not wasting any energy and getting the most out of it. Get on board today and don't be sidelined this season by rising power bills. Get in contact with a team from Penrith Solar Centre because they are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest solar experience, and solutions. When it comes to tackling your electricity bills, let the team at PSC get you out of the trial on this season, saving you thousands per year in costs. Give them a call on 1,800, 20, today or visit au Number one, Brock, who you got?
2: Panthers remain there the second week at number one.
1: I've bumped them up. Uh, they're now my number one. I think, again, going off not just performances, and I thought they were gritty, even though that was close yesterday, but health-wise right now even with a few little niggles or small changes in their squad, they're in that situation again where there's no like season-ending injuries. They've got great depth. We've seen guys come in and out. The development of Nathan Cleary just continues. Coruscant has been a great addition. And I still think they've got better fullbacks than Dylan Edwards is going to be out again this week. And it's unfortunate mm, that Charlie Stane's, Stane's got the COVID oh. thing because he probably would have got a crack, I think, at one this week. He's
2: cost himself a massive so opportunity.
1: Aikens did a solid job again. And again, he's more than a... More than a solid first grader, but yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised, or in my opinion... Well, I said
2: two weeks ago, it'll only take Edwards to be out. I'd rather roll Crichton in.
1: in the back. I'd put Crichton at one, and I, I'd reshuffle. That's yeah. just me, but, you know. Number two. Uh the Storm. Yep, I've bumped the Storm up as well. Uh, why not overly impressive? Again, in these circumstances, having to leave Melbourne, move to the Sunshine Coast, lost a couple of players for a few weeks. Uh, they just... No, more on. impressive
2: than the Storm and, uh, than the Eels and the Roosters.
1: Munster back on. Uh, I just think they're, again, if anyone's going to handle adversity and change, it's going to be no They're just ticking along nicely. Number three. Uh, the Roosters. Yep. I've put the Roosters down to three now as well. Uh, those injuries obviously putting a bit more of a strain on their squad, but hopefully if uh, they don't have any the next few weeks and they can get a couple of guys back on board or Crichton recovers a bit earlier, you know, See this hooker situation this week. I, I think they'd be very happy they're playing the Warriors this weekend. Yeah. Tackle four. Or tackle four. Number four, Parramatta. Is, yeah. Consistent on that one. I know a lot of people will be going, hold on a minute. Well, they've beaten Penrith and Barrow Arrow in the, the last few weeks. You know, it is what it is. Plain and simple. Tackle five. Number five. Oh, sorry, tackle five. Might the Raiders. Uh, I've got Newcastle at five still, holding that spot. Good for 60 minutes on the weekend. Uh, they fell asleep for the last 20, but I still like some bits and pieces I'm seeing out of Newcastle. There's, there's still a bit that's got to be worked through. but
2: I've got the Raiders. I think the yeah, Raiders yeah. have had a bloody tough draw and they've acquitted themselves really well.
1: Yep, well, I've got the Raiders at six. Uh, I'm not surprised again because even with some of those injuries, there's been a better development of the squad over the last few years. They've got a couple of good young guys. They've still got some internationals in that squad. And if you don't know much about the junior backgrounds of the two hookers that are there to back up Hodgson, I think those two rotating and combining can do more than a serviceable job than some hookers in the competition. Yeah, so. I've got the
2: Knights at uh, six. Seven. I, I'm concerned. The Knights just aren't playing 80, for 80 minutes. Uh, seven, the Rabbitohs.
1: Yep, I left Seuss there. Again, not overly impressed by Seas. I really don't think they're a threat at all for the competition. Said beforehand, seven to eight, I think they'll scrape in, but I think they're fodder basically for anyone on their best day in the top four mm. who's playing their best football. Uh, number eight. Tigers. Yep, we got the Tigers in. Huge win. And a lot of people, are, again, we're going, how they don't get any higher than that after a 48-0 win Well, it was against the Broncos. Well, you know, I'll tell you why.
2: Absolute punching Because the week bags. before, they got beat by They've the been, been beaten by
1: South. They've been beaten by Canberra. They've been beaten by Newcastle. They've lost to... They're as playing said Parramatta. Before. Beat Parramatta this week, and I'll bump them up. i said the last few weeks. Same as the Sharks last week when I said they'd get bulldozed by a better forward pack, and I didn't expect to get beat by 50... By the Panthers. But again, good win on the weekend for someone like the Sharkies. It was a team under them on the ladder again. Yeah. So, not overly impressed. But there you go. Power rankings. Let's jump in the views of the games from the weekend. Raiders Roosters. You saw more of this one. I only saw bits and pieces because I was on night shift. But 24 20, some people were surprised by this. But what did you take out of this game? Oh, I was surprised. But the Roosters have done this for the last two or three weeks.
2: They've just skipped ahead played some good footy, and then gone to sleep in patches. But the significant takeaway from me here was how dominant the Raiders were through the middle of the field. Josh Rapali had a a field day. Um, The Roosters' execution in good ball wasn't great. The Raiders defended well. It was just the Raiders turned it into a scrap, and the Roosters really couldn't elevate above the Raiders. They they did um, in small sections of the game where they were able to execute and score and make it look quite easy at at points. But the Raiders were very, very clear on how they wanted the game to be played and they came there with a clear plan to uh, play direct through the middle. I think the surface at the SCG really suited the way the Raiders wanted to play. Uh, I thought it was a, a terrific coaching performance from Ricky Stewart. The players were motivated, they executed, they were hungry... They were more gritty and they simply, it was just that old fashioned. They they probably wanted it a little bit more than than what the Roosters did. And uh, yeah, there's some concerns there with the Roosters that the fact that they just got beat up in the middle of the field. Um, and, you know, an important win for the Raiders. Uh, you know, does it revenge a grand final? No, it doesn't because nah. there's no ring on their finger. There's a bit but, of emotion there, I guess, um, in that game but as yeah, well. Yeah, it probably makes them feel a little bit better. And after the couple of weeks that the Raiders have had,
1: Injuries some close losses. Plenty of and travel. Some,
2: yeah, injuries. Back,
1: you know, getting hodged and out. A lot of talk Short their seasons over. The short turnaround that you heard Ricky last week Great basically saying But they it can... was
2: a scrappy game. It was a tough tough game to watch. It wasn't easy on the eye, but for Canberra fans they would have loved it. Yeah. And uh they thoroughly deserved their victory.
1: And another debutant. They're rolling through a few in the last few weeks. You've seen Kyle Donald, there was Valemai, who they've had some raps on coming through. Got a little bit of time this week. Harley Smith-Shields, who was, one of, their, was okay. one of their better players. He's been in on the bench again, coming through the juniors there. Played some fullback, played some wing. Uh, they're definitely rolling through. On, but I think the big thing for me, Jack Whiten took some more responsibility, as did George, and they needed to step up. And in particular, I think the kicking game and more control of the team. But the hookup rotation was something that I was confident in. I know Josh Hodgson's a hell of a player, but I think Havili, to your point, with a forward pack, suits starting the game. He's a bigger body. He can roll out. He can get downhill. You have to be accountable for him. He can get players rolling onto the football. And if you're not accountable for him, he'll take off as well. And they can also push him in the middle. And then you inject a pocket rocket like Tommy Starling, who just cranks things up. They
2: both just did their job. Good service. They both kick well.
1: But if those two keep doing that job and the halves contribute a bit more and these guys get on the back of a parlay like they have been all year, there's no reason, and we said it before, they're going to be in the eight.
2: They're going to be in the
1: eight. Oh, in the eight. They can't win it. I don't think they – I'm not going to put them in as a winner, but if they can push on from here and not have many more injuries and keep playing to a decent level, there's no reason they're not there probably in week two. Knock on,
2: knock on the Raiders. Nah, it's just history, no history just says you can't have that many injuries and win a No. Nah.
1: And it's put a bit of a strain on, but they're still too good with the players they've got. And now. I, I, I think
2: the Roosters are moving into that area as well. They, so. they get another, you know, handful of injuries, and they're going to move into that same sort of area.
1: Well, particular spine player like they got with Hodgson. If yeah. you were to lose somebody in the Rooster spine, well, then yeah, yeah
2: like Kiri or Tedesco goes out, they can't win it.
1: The Roosters sixty six percent completion, way too many errors. Lose Crichton, uh, like you said, a bit patchy. Uh, they're going to need to clean things up this week, and I'm sure. If he does experiment with the hookers or want to rest a couple of guys, if he's ever going to do it again, given they're a bit light on troops, it's going to be against the Warriors. Yeah. But Raiders, good win. Let's see how they rock up this week. They've got Souths. So good chance to get another win if they play like that. They're missing a couple of players now after last week as well. Storm Titans, I don't think this one needs a lot of air. 42-6. to I honestly thought that the Titans did show some good resistance and effort early on. Melbourne, quite poor with the football. I thought their attack was... Pretty awful to be honest, and probably what summed it up for me is just the simplicity of tries like a soft Solomon crashing over twice.
2: Yeah, it was a good team versus a bad team. Simple yeah. as that.
1: Yeah. Once they got the Titans few tries. ran
2: out and believed they were a bad team, Storm ran out believed they were a good team, and that was the end of it. They just walked through them, um, and it was it was a tough game to watch. It was poor. Yeah. The Titans really need to, you know, they can they can win games against the Warriors, but if you really want to climb the ladder, you got to compete against the top eight sides, top four sides, and. We just get reamed by top four sides and, you know, re- irrespective of the coach, that's the club culture at the moment, they just get pumped by good teams. So, you know, A, they're going to get their roster right, which is going to be difficult in the immediate um, or the near future, but B, they've got to get their attitude right. They've got to play tough and compete against those better teams.
1: Right. Positive positives for Melbourne, even though it was an absolute scrap fest, they got Munster back in. Blow some cobwebs. I thought he was pretty good considering he's back three weeks earlier than yeah, what was expected. Again, might be a bit of fool's gold. You get Felice back, etc. I think more for them just a few troops back on board and to get through unscathed. <laughs> but they were far from, far from great. But again, opposition like you said, top bottom end, um, they get away with more errors and some of the mistakes they made in that game. If they did that in a Roosters game or someone at the top end, they'd lose for sure. Mm. But yeah, I, I didn't take a whole lot out of that. But they weren't playing
2: them. Then no, I know that. So. I, don't,
1: I don't take much out of that for Melbourne. Other than some for and against. Get a few players back in the side, and it's their first run-up on the Sunshine Coast, which is now probably going to be their home for the rest of the season. So moving on from that one, Tigers-Broncos again, 48-0. Whatever else you We've to said say? enough
2: about Brisbane. I'm not talking about Brisbane.
1: No. Nah. The only thing I will bring up, and again, a lot of people keep talking about what's wrong with them, what's this, that, and the other. I don't think I've seen individually worse defense, and I'm sure they're working on it. But that, that's, again, an individual thing, an effort thing, an intent thing. There's no line speed. There's no when you say?
2: Worst defense. What are you talking about? You're talking about structure. You're talking about effort. I'm talking about effort. I'm oh, talking about so getting in front. We in, that, being across. They were disgusting. They're effort the was to the ground, poor.
1: taking away space, yeah. like all the things that show dominance yeah. and need to, just want to win a tackle yeah. that aren't controlled by coaches or anyone external. I'm not saying I've never seen more handsy grabs and less hip space and no control and shit work on talk, the ground don't and even not talk about it like that. They just
2: don't want to get just, their bodies in front.
1: Every little bit and piece about it. And play tough on awful. any
2: on any play or on any aspect of their footy. But. Anyway, the even... Tigers, yeah, like the Tigers were good. The spine changes worked. Uh, but look at the opposition you were playing. They're going to get a real test this week against Para, mm-hmm. who are coming off the back of two pretty poor performances. Para, back to bank West. Um, it's a chance for the Tigers to really cement themselves as a top eight team. If they want to be play top eight and, and be considered a finals team you've got to beat teams that are up in the eight not the, just the teams below you mm. so that, that's where the challenge is for the Tigers Brisbane good luck you're playing Melbourne
1: yeah <laughs> can't agree with you more on that and again lots of raps come out this I way I don't know they
2: might come out and win Like they might shock the shit out of me but nah. if they dish that up that Melbourne will beat them by 70
1: yeah but again lots of raps came for Harry Grant Benji, Billy etc All those changes, let's see them this week up against a quality opposition that's actually going to throw something at you. Um, I think Benji should have been back in. I thought the Brooks thing was a little harsh, but Billy Walters, I did like when he was at Melbourne. He was obviously behind Cameron Munster there, so he wasn't going to get that opportunity. Harry Grant, I just get more and more happy the more I watch him, in particular the fact if he does come back. And there's expected to be news now that we talk about it. I think Cameron Smith said he's going to... Have a decision in the next couple of weeks as to what's happening for next year. I think he
2: said next fortnight.
1: So <clears throat> a lot of people again also saying there's no way they can keep him and Brandon. Brandon's made it clear a few times that the biggest thing for him is just playing and making sure that he's progressing, not going backwards. I'm I think Smith will retire. I'm pretty sure that Brandon Smith will stay around if they make him a lock or give him as good a minutes playing in that side in that role, than going elsewhere to play hooker at a bad club. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, but <clears throat> see how these two go this week Dragons dogs Dragons fast start that early kick plucked out of the air then that easily roll down the left side Dufty skips across the defender Holland bites in they tip in at 10-0 I thought they're just going to go on and absolutely bloodbath yeah and then Dragons typical Dragons they honestly I, I didn't think they were going to win I didn't think they were going to get it back just given the way the season's gone their attitude their confidence I really thought once they fell into that hole it was all over but the dummy half try it was just soft. For Mariners, just a simple pass and crash over the scrum play. Norman came up way too hard. Then Lomax jumped into it on the same man and left the hole for and to just walk through. Yeah. Plus a couple of penalties. 22 or at half time, I was just dumfing. Mm. Or twenty ten, and then they could set another penalty goal. But second half, they just would not play direct. It was all sideways. It was looking like they were the, when they were going for that bad patch errors penalties. They couldn't get out of their own way, and it took again. And a mistake of the Bulldogs to give an opportunity with that bomb that basically come off the yeah. foot and bounced up for Saab. After that, they found another try, and then the normal one at the end, who, to be honest, I thought had a, a pretty average Dufty's, game.
2: Dufty try was a good one.
1: Dufty and Clune, yeah, because Clune was the first one to actually play direct <laughs> and challenge a line. He got the inside shoulder of Tolman from memory. Great setup, but yeah, I think the summary of the day and the luck for them in two of those tries was the last one where Montoya... Just spills the and <laughs> Norman gets to run away. Yeah, because the field goal attempt not long before. It was,
2: that. A, it was a lucky win, but they've had some unlucky losses. So good on uh, them. The Bulldogs, Jesus, they're, they're just a tough side to watch, tough team to support. But that's that's a game. They were better, the best team for probably seventy five percent of that game, and,
1: again. and they lost. They Found make, a way to lose. This way they make foreign an offer, and a massively reduced offer, and he gets injured again. Mm. So interested to see, again, why are they making an offer without a coach being in? Does he want to have Kieran for him? Would he like to go elsewhere? That's a couple of hundred thousand dollars, in particular if he's gone and you're freeing up even 700 or you're freeing up the full million that he's on. That All the dollars count, but now particularly that he's injured, maybe wait until your new coach is in yeah, to talk to him maybe, if he's interested he in having him.
2: might not even want him as a deaf player.
1: No, that's my point. Wait until the coach is in before that deal. And now that there's another injury, yeah, that was my point earlier on the show. You're Having surgery again, like we do It's don't crazy. Know. So, um, if
2: I'm the coach walking in, I'm saying,
1: like, I don't, I don't hold everything.
2: I, no, don't, yeah, don't do it zippo. Yeah,
1: don't be spending all the cash for re-signing players until we sit down and have a look at the situation. But um, bad for foreign because I think the the weeks he's put in since he's been back, he's definitely been a good contributor. But his body just keeps failing
2: him. But he's not a million dollar player.
1: No, that two three hundred thousand more reasonable. But that's he's why never he's if
2: he, running last. If
1: he's never going to be healthy, you still wouldn't give him that. You'd be better off spending it elsewhere. Yeah. Where well, you know you're going to have that player. But if I tell him he was good. He's one of these guys. I think that's going to be extended. Who's off contract? Lewis came in, does his job as he always done. Jackson, but yeah, for the Dragons, Dufty was great. Thought Kloon was good. McInnes, again, Hunt. They're still kind of settling in to the way they're playing their football and. Like you said, they get away with one there. Uh, this week, they have the derby game again against the Sharks. They generally get up for that one, but for them, it's massive because if they win this game, it drags them into that deadlock at the bottom, and then they get south the week after. Have just lost a couple of plays, and who knows where they go from there. But after the weekend's performance, I don't know what to think for the game this weekend. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Newcastle South. Speaking of them. 20-18. Couldn't not believe my eyes with the scoreline. Again, between work, I only saw bits and pieces of this one, but they're up 14-0 at half time. They're absolutely cruising. Thought they looked good. They found some more cohesion with their attack. Ponga was back, being more involved and on the ball and running first rather than trying to be a 5-8 and overplay his hand and ball play all the time. Best, who's been a little bit isolated the last few weeks, they found a way to get him in some good ball and he linked up well with Tuwala. Man, again, simple stuff in his game. Getting back those few guys... In the forward pack to make up for the loss of Daniel Safidi <laughs> I thought like Jacob and Clem did a good job Barnett back off the bench definitely brought some spark as well but that last 20 minutes they just fell asleep and South almost got it yeah they were, very they were dominant
2: lucky. dominant for 60 fell asleep and almost had their pants pulled down
1: I just yeah. South was...
2: were good they started to throw the ball around a little bit unstructured Newcastle had a little bit of doubt started to look at the clock yeah. and passes started to stick you know
1: Cody George Burgess, it on the back of it.
2: um dropped the ball over the line. Like, Mate, he made a couple of errors. He then, After they scored, he then dropped the ball off the kickoff, challenged it, and it got overturned, which allowed Newcastle to sort of chew some time and leave the ball in the corner. So he made some critical mistakes at key points. And, you know, I, the thing that frustrates me about Burgess, every time he drops the fucking ball, he gets up and blames someone else. Like, your ball security is fucking horrendous. It's been horrendous for... Years and years and years
1: well, and years and Tom, years, George, and you are
2: still blaming other people for your carry and your ball security. Address it.
1: Well, the, the funny thing is, Tom's probably the best out of the and three, and he's of
2: probably them. got the biggest hands in the NRL, and you can't hold the fucking ball.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess one Burgess making errors is a lot better than three Burgesses making errors, but at critical times, like you said, but for CR So Brian, again, massive concerns. I guess when you see those kind of patches, like, it just happened too easily. They're just yeah. falling off tackles, poor misses, Cook and Cody in particular, just rolling upfield off the back of that momentum at the back end of the game and some of the offloads and almost stole it. But, yeah, 20-0 up after 60 minutes. You've got to ice that. You've got to close that out. You've got to kick. you got to defend well. Not so much worry about your attack, but they really, really just – that that could have been critical in their season. Mm. If you get injuries or you look back or you miss the top four, that's the game you look at and go, well, we're up 20-zip and you blew it. Like they're, they're those games that if you do get away with them, as compared to the ones the other week, where you look at the Manly game, where you lose three players, and you go, we shouldn't have won that game. They're the ones that you you want to come out on top of. Yep. And they were lucky that they got that one, but man, if they would have blown that, they're the difference between top four, home final, two bites of the cherry, so lucky for Newcastle, but good to see some faces back, like we said. Barnett, Connor Watson, etc. will be better for the run. Got that mentality from the headlock. And uh, if they stay healthy the next few weeks, get Safidi back, get that rotation cranking full strength, and Ponga keeps finding his way into games, they're going to be much better off. And he took a bit of pressure off Pierce being more involved the other night as well because he's obviously looked like he's been busted the last few weeks with that knee. So uh, for South from here, Ethan Lowe's now looking like he's out for the season. Jimmy the Jet, spoke about before, needing to get more out of him, but obviously injury. Uh, as well as those other issues at times is is not really helping them. They get Campbell Graham back this week. I'm assuming he goes straight back into the centres. And they'll probably have the kid, Paulo, play on the wing again. And Corey Allen, etc. Or Stephen Masters is one they brought in from Dragons who could maybe look at getting an opportunity there. But as far as forwards, we already said it. They were light on before the season. That was my big concern. Looks like Jack Johns is going to get that low spot on the bench this week. He's been developed into a back row. All his juniors, he's played as a half. But that's the big concern I had before a ball was kicked and I still look at it now and think they're not a contender. You can have that one to seven if they were healthy on the field and a good spine, but if you can't go forward, you can't generate ruck speed, you can't win the call. Um And I also think Murray this year hasn't been poor, but he's struggling as well without having one or two extra big bodies because when he plays, you know, run two or run three off the back of a Sam Burgess or a couple of the big bodies, he's so much more effective and that entail brings Cook into the game. And they get that quick play of the ball and they get a better roller, and he's got that pass, but he's getting hit a lot more this year because he's having to take those rough carries and he's he's undersized. Yeah. Not saying he's undersized to be, you know, but just to be taking those sort of carries consistently. I know they've got Arrow coming next year, and we spoke about this, but I think off season there's still another move that needs to be made for them forward pack wise because they're really missing some girth in the middle. Yep. But. Bit of an issue there a strange the old injuries. game that one. Oh, very strange. But entertaining. Speaking of uh results that are a bit strange. Manly, like we said, 2218. The old ambush at Brookvale. We've seen it so many times before, went unexpected. Parramatta, turn up eight and one. Close one last week. Ferguson Madison pull out close to kick off and Manly just turn up early. Aggressive, angry, and blow them off the park. They rolled through the middle of them. The real alarm for me was when Levi gets in from dummy half so easily and then he actually scores again a second time after being denied. Like When you've got someone crashing over from dummy half that soft, you're definitely not in for a good night. George Jennings drops the kickoff, first carry. Yeah. Like there were some signs very early on where you just looked at Brad Arthur and the way he was in the box and thought he's going to rip shreds off them at half time because they've literally mailed it in or they've come a bit flat. I, I don't know what it is, Have they've been up during all these wins missing a few players or have they got a little bit of false confidence that they could just come into it because Manly missing a few blokes Brookvale and Manly are never a place you go and think you're going to have an easy night and full credit for them Tapio and his 100th game for the Seagulls I thought he was outstanding Cherry Evans had an absolute Barney last week and got slapped from pillar to post he had his hands all over that victory he was great um, you know Parker. So DC,
2: he was, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah,
1: Parker's tackle on see. I of thought people. Danny
2: Levoy that was one of the better games yeah, he's
1: had in first grade. Definitely. And I think, again, off the back of the forward pack being dominant and Jake had his hands involved. Two in back rolls well. were good. Yeah, Syrian sure. and Thompson, I think, have been underrated for them.
2: Yeah, Parramatta was just off the ball. Too many errors. Defensively, they were dog shit. They kicked extremely poorly. They lacked any patience with the footy. Didn't build any pressure. Their discipline was off. Similarly was again, though. Classic. That.
1: They had an opportunity. Yeah, they did. Manly didn't score a second half point. They didn't. It got to twenty two eighteen, but the big one for a lot of people Manly
2: isn't. can't link two good halves together
1: though. Nah people were blowing up about the Wanger Blake try. Like to well, be honest, I don't think that's as controversial as everyone thinks. Well, I thought it was I a strip. I thought it was a shit carry and he was trying to no, offload. No, I thought it was a strip. But like, yeah, by the letter of the law, I think it's a strip because you're covering the ball, but what do we teach all our kids? You can't just let go of the ball, you've got to be covering the arms so he can't offload. To me, yeah, he's trying well, to offload.
2: We also don't teach players no. to grab the ball. He's trying off. I
1: honestly with. don't think it was as controversial as a lot of people think. Yeah. Like I, I agree, I, 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 but it didn't. It didn't affect when I man. looked at the motion, I'm not saying oh yeah, it's 100. But I don't think it was an absolute blatant strip. I thought his arm came out because he was trying to promote the football. And as you are, you taught, still can't take the ball. Well, you're just going to throw it and play on. Well,
2: technically, you have it. to. You need to intercept it, or if you knock it out, then it's six again. Or you're knocking it forward. You can't. You, can, you know, you can't take it. There's two in the tackle.
1: Yeah, he still needs some accountability for the football.
2: I so. agree. If he drops it and Wangar Blake's hands are near it, then I'd say yeah, poor carry. But you can't take the ball.
1: No, I and mean, I'm not saying it was. That's the... what he
2: did. He took a ball. Shouldn't shouldn't have been a try.
1: No, I agree with that. But I just still watched it. I thought, it Manly, and thought well.
2: Manly were fucking dudded there.
1: It was a pretty you know pretty. But I thought Parramatta probably
2: get... copped the shit one at the end of the game, where Elliot came across. I thought he kicked.
1: You thought he dropped uh, knees or something, Jennings? Yeah?
2: No, I thought he kicked kicked him. I put I put it up on in our discussion group, and a lot of people sort of thought the same thing. Like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Like it would have been an eight point try, possible draw, but Gutherson would have had to kick one from on the paint. And look, Parramatta declined the kick anyway. It it wasn't looked at because it was also a rush. But you know, it's not it's not me slagging manly or um, you know looking for a way to sort of say that Parramatta were dotted, but. <clears throat> um, have a look at it. Go, the, only, the only thing you can do is go and have a look at it on replay and form your own opinion. But, I, yeah, I thought he kicked. I don't think it was intentional, but, yeah, I thought it was close to an eight-point try.
1: Well, like I said again. It was I, dangerous. Oh, and the, it, it
2: certainly wasn't needed.
1: Para don't deserve, like you said, the one Wunga Blake try. I just more looked at it and didn't think it was as blatant as everyone said, like it was just a straight-out strip. I thought it was a pretty loose carry or like he was trying to offload. But I agree with you. To the letter of the law, it was a rape But they got the result. Good win for them. They got through that. They get Adam Fanua Blake back this week, their best forward. There was talk with Desi on the TV over the weekend with a few interviews that Dylan Walker's possibly two weeks away, best scenario. So that, again, helps you out a bit more. ease some pressure in the spine. And then Tom they're saying that it could be possibly four weeks. They're going to have to get scans. They want to be 100% sure. So after two losses uh, and things looking a little bit flat, after getting away with that Raiders win, uh, it was a good result. Yeah. And this week, they get North Queensland. I don't know if you could say it's good or bad, to me. Uh They were very, very tough last week, and they're up, you'd like to think now, knowing that Paul Graham was leaving, that they probably had a red-hot crack for their coach. Are they going to have the same effort this week under Hennie? Are they going to be a little bit flat after the big toll and trying to battle against that Panther side? I don't know. But Manly, I think, will take a lot of confidence out of that and get or Blake back and think these are the kind of teams we need to beat if we want to get back into the eight. Yeah. So I think Manly this week will be ripe and up for a big performance. But for Parramatta, uh, second loss of the season. And they've been pretty good up to this point. Yeah. And they get a lot of troops back this week. They're going to get Madison, Ferguson, and Moses has been named as well. So for them... What I, I will think...
2: say about Parramatta, that's probably a game they'll lose by 30. Oh,
1: in the past, time, they, right? they would have got absolutely pumped. Yeah. So very, very well to come back into it. But yeah, for Arthur, I think it's good, good reality check. Because every week they'll keep saying, you're the contenders, can you win the comp? Can you win the comp? You lead the ladder. I think as a coach, he you know... Yep. Kind of taking that as a little small opportunity or a little thing there to put the fist in and just give them a reminder, you got to turn up every week. Yep. Sharks Warriors, do we need to talk about it? it was diabolical. The Warriors, as I said, no offence to anyone. We anybody.
2: spoke about the Warriors. Yeah. Sharks fools gold, like they got beat by fifty by Penrith the week before, then and they come in and win by fifty this week.
1: I, I yeah. It's what I said before. They can tell. They do have some good players.
2: Look, they might. They might make the finals. If they make thing. the finals, they'll be seven and eight, and they'll they'll be out within the first two weeks. They're not Premiership contenders, Cronulla. If they make the finals, they've probably overachieved this year, I would think.
1: Yeah, and again, well, I said it before. Bottom eight sides, packs they can roll over and pick on.
2: Warriors, they're going to get pumped more than they don't this, for the remainder of the year.
1: Yeah, and again, players leaving, to watch injuries possibly still to come. Who do they get loaned in? I don't know, but if it keeps going the way it is and they can't get yeah. players into more injuries, they're basically going to turn into a buy. Yeah. A lot of teams are going to take that as four and well, against or a chance to I think all all they
2: rest are, so. while they're not playing a bottom four team.
1: And emotionally, you can't expect them to be consistent with the circumstances, and they yeah. haven't been. So, um, yeah, for the for the Sharkies, again, good way to run up your and against and get back, I guess, after conceding as many as they did last week. Yeah, it just evens out the week before, really. What did right? they get? They got 36 in the bank, and the week before was 56-24. About 40 now. So they almost cancelled out. Yep. What would have been a real big blemish on their record, and it goes back to the Johnson thing again. Everyone's like, "How good's Johnson been today?" I'm like, "Well, again, it's it's against one of these teams that, you know, he's toying with, and it's his ex team." Yeah, he's awful the week before. Play like that against Melbourne. Play like that against the Roosters. Play like that against the Panthers. And same as Woods and all these other guys, he had a good game on the weekend, but they struggled against a real pack the week before. Yeah. So oh, I will man. say one thing though, I love Katoa. I love Sioni Katella. That try and the dive and his finishes in the corner, yeah, he's great to watch. He really is. He's a crazy person. I love it. The dives are insane. Mm. The in and out, he's good value. And the other thing I love is front row scoring tries. Hamlin yeah. Ueli, you bloody legend. Oh yeah, he loves crashing. The big a boy meeting. just fucking crashes over every week. You put him inside twenty. He's um,
2: he he scored a couple of um first tries recently as well.
1: He's
2: loving it. I reckon out of the last four or five weeks, he's probably scored two or three. I, I think, think he's Hemlin got three Ueli, first tries. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Prop, loving it, absolutely. And
2: loving it was—it was it. about a twenty-meter try. It wasn't a crashover. No,
1: Nah, he got—he ran a hole. He ran yeah. a good line, got through the gap, and then pushed on. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Took him. it to the bank. Took it to the bank. Panthers, Cowboys to finish off. I thought this was actually quite good to watch. I thought the Cowboys turn out really tough, considering the players they were missing, and then to lose McLean on the lead-in. Drink water during the week. Dejan Arcey rolled in off the bench to debut at six. I thought he was pretty solid for his first game, given the circumstances. Panthers' first home game. They had all the possession early on, all the football. You thought they'd bank more points, but the Cowboys were pretty tough, yep. in all honesty. They and were. They found that try late through the hammer. Good individual try there where he skipped past a couple of defenders. And, we, you know, you got to remember he's 18 years old. I think he's struggling maybe physically yeah, struggling when they get their hands on him. But in a year or two, as well. in a year or two with his capabilities, his vision and his speed, when he puts a little more size on and can take the bumps, he could be anything. Yeah. He really could. So um, they, The Cowboys were fantastic.
2: I, I would go as far as to say if you throw Nathan Cleary on North Queensland, they probably win. Cleary was a difference. That's the best game in first grade I've seen Cleary play. I mean, Cleary is That's as fish. dominant as I've ever seen Cleary play in any grade. Like I didn't see him play that dominant and that physical in
1: 20s. Well, I haven't seen that emotion. He's generally a flatliner. That anger that was fantastic. and that passion when he pumped Hess. And Then got up and gave a bit of a bark. Yeah, right, and I, I was on, I was on myself on the couch because generally I look at people like that and I'm like, I don't know you can be like that. Yeah, play footy, you know, dribble and spit and carry on and yell, and he just always seems to be cool as a cucumber. But to see a bit of dog, and I've spoke about this before like when you like last year when Brisbane beat the Warriors and they put din in, if you can't be inspired by a little runt 18 year old who barely weighs 78 kilos chopping blokes down, you're just taking the piss. Yeah, when they see their halfback. Smashing a former origin back row who's 20 kilos heavier than him, like just decking him and getting the ball out of him. You get on the back of that, and it's not like Penrith don't have enough crazy people with Fisher Harris three, four, five times in this game. Said it before when people questioned a few years ago why would Cleary be the half for origin? Because there's one thing I do know that he can do that Adam Reynolds and a lot of guys can't consistently. He's not a guy you want to run at. He's probably, I'd say, previously. I thought Pierce technically was probably one of the best defensive halves in the competition, yeah. and I think Cherry Evans is pretty good as well, and in particular, very, very good at the wrestling, control and tackles. But I'd say now, if there's one half that if you target him, I think you're just wasting your time, it's Nathan. Nathan's probably the best defensive half in the competition.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And he's yeah, he's putting on size. He's probably not at his physical peak yet, fully grown. But um, I, I I also took a lot out offensively, like just – the way he squares up at the line, how he catches and how he moves and just the opportunities that he creates for his yeah. outside and inside. Tempo man, changes. Because he he plays direct. He's not scared to get physical and scared to cop a lick. And he's, he's done it for years and he's done it ever since he's been in first grade. But his ability now to move players and manipulate players around him to open up opportunities for others is improving significantly. So, you know, I do believe Trent Barrett's got to take some credit for those little... Uh, minor, I guess, adjustments that he's made that are making big impacts on the, on the on the on the both Nathan's game individually, but also on the team.
1: Yep, I think Fish again, absolutely outstanding. He's been great all year, and just if if you talked about forwards coming into the market and guys you'd like to sign tomorrow, and some of the people that. Have been thrown up. I think Fisher-Harris will be one of the first forwards. he got the three Dalian points,
2: which surprised me. I I thought Cleary was... Oh, I thought Nate,
1: but I think Fish was pretty bloody good.
2: But Cleary got... Yeah, I think Cleary got the two.
1: Yep. Great win by the Panthers. Good spirit shown by the Cowboys, but we'll see this week uh, if they can back it up. And that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Boxhead, uh, you didn't post any questions up, you said? No. No. I think there's only one I'll bring up. And again, I'm not going to go dabbing on the page in bits and pieces and... I've seen a lot on there and people tagging. Uh, Been a bit hard to respond with work, so I apologise for that. But I'll try and have a bit of a look. But one I got last week two or three times, and I've seen posting it again. Some people are a bit 50-50, and I don't want to spend too much time with the Bulldogs again, about the Corey Harrow and I situation. Some people are thinking it's a bit harsh of people to say, like, oh, the club's done wrong by him or this, that, and the other. So... What are your thoughts on that situation? Well, you know, I, A I like, about well, it. lot of people have done him the dirty, you know, the NRL have deregistered him and they've just done what the NRL is saying. But well, no I said
2: no. it two weeks ago. I know that he's training with, or was it last week? I know that he's training with um, the mindset that he's not going to be going back to the Bulldogs, he's going to be going to another club. I haven't spoken to him directly, but I've heard that through um, sources who have been, you know, told that. It's it's accurate information. That's now been leaked to the media I think it was last Wednesday. So the day after it, we went to to air. Or you know, our show was posted that um, that was confirmed. I think it was by James Hooper on uh, three hundred and sixty. I I'm I'm not really sure on what's right or what's wrong here. Corey's filthy because the Bulldogs punted him, and feels as though now that because he's been proven correct and they've acted, in a way, I guess it's been proven to be not within the rules of the game or not to be deemed fair, I guess is probably the right way to describe it, that he feels as though he should be able to move on. He he thinks the situation there is untenable. What I do think will change this significantly is when Trent Barrett is employed, yeah. And that's probably the first job that Barrett's going to have is to be able to convince him, but... You know, Barrett aside, it's it's going to be difficult to, you know, if Corey's got an offer from Canberra and like Canberra's the one I'd that I've Canberra. heard. I heard that two weeks ago. Um, that I would probably rather go to Canberra. Uh, but Corey and, and Trent Barrett have a long relationship. They um, he had him Barrett for coached him in twenties in twenty fourteen.
1: Yeah, I think when he first arrived, he was when, a fullback 58 eight. Correct.
2: So he arrived halfway through that year when Barrett was the head coach. So, uh, yeah, it, it just remains to be seen. I, I'll if I'm the Bulldogs, I'm happy to keep him, I'm happy to let him go.
1: Yeah, I think the problem I, is... In sitting down and
2: go righto, where, where are you at? You know, can this situation be resolved? If the answer is yes, then I, I try my best to exhaust all those avenues... If he answers no and he wants to go and he's going to make life difficult, let him go.
1: I think people are bothered though because Bulldogs fans are like, well, how is it suddenly a hard done story or we've done the wrong thing? Like, I, I think the
2: Bulldogs haven't done the wrong I thing. I think
1: they've done what they thought was right at the time. It happened. They reported to the integrity unit. It was taken out of their hands. And then they basically just had to take the actions in Errol Club. I think where Corey feels more hard done by and people were saying, like, you know, it's cost them a million-dollar spot. Like, it did. It cost them sponsorship. It did cost them money. It did have a knock-on effect. And they should be somewhat accountable for somewhat of that, because like we said at the time, whether it was illegal or not, whether people want to take it that way or not, it was dumb, it was irresponsible, it was stupid. I think he basically wasn't contacted after that by the club. He was showing no sort welfare. of support, or that they basically just brushed him completely once it came out that he was deregistered. But
2: is it the club's job
1: to no, provide know, that welfare? if because they've he's made been that deregistered, decision? though. They've just kind of gone, oh, right, well, they they aren't the NRL or.
2: should have provided him welfare. Yeah, if but as punting. a club,
1: though, I think they're more getting that, well, I think I'm going to appeal yeah. this, so I'm going to do that. He just had no contact. No one spoke to him. No one contacted him. So he's probably like you're saying now that he's back, and they're going, "All right, well, we're short of players, and get him in this, that, and the other." Like we we could do with probably having you back on board. He's probably like, "Well, fuck you." Like no one's contacted me. Yeah, but I can see both sides. If I'm a Bulldogs fan, at the time and the sponsorship and the other bits and pieces, I'm like more so Ockhambore situation like we're talking about with social media. Corey's was apparently more of a an older an older lady or a teacher. Yeah, but that he met on Tinder, rightly or wrongly. But Ockenbore, right Instagram. Young girl, whether she was the one who initiated, it or not, like seriously, done. But they were both told not to do it. Yeah, there's accountability so, on both sides. Yeah. But I think in this situation, it's more what you said. He's a quality player. If you're the Bulldogs and you've got a coach coming in that's linked to him, I'd try and smooth things out because you'd rather him there than somewhere else. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah. if he does want to be there, let him go. I'd just let him go. Hmm. Free up that money again. Talk with your new coach. See what you can get on the market. But. I've seen some people going back and forth a bit angry about like it's you know what did the Bulldogs do wrong like, sure they've got to take responsibility I think there's responsibility on both sides. Yeah. It's had an effect on the Bulldogs no doubt and it's also had an effect on the players and Ball no surprise I said the same thing last week he's keen to stay he's a local junior and I think he'd probably understand that his side of it or his circumstances he's not going to have many opportunities full stop anyway.
2: Well I think I said last week I think it'll be 50-50 for Ochen- yeah, Ball to stay and 99 to 1 so for Corey to stay and I'll, I'll probably still maintain those odds
1: I see both sides of the fence for fans that are wondering why the media is just basically but
2: if you're a dog fan, you're going how the hell are we going to lose a player to Canberra yeah,
1: but I think they're looking at again things like six <laughs> and everyone going oh they've just left him out in the cold going well hold on a minute they, re- they had to give it to the integrity unit the NRL has done most of the damage work not yeah. the Bulldogs the Bulldogs have taking directive what the NRL told them to do yeah. what do you want them to do But after the fact, yeah, if they haven't spoken or whatever, they obviously feel left out in the cold and a bit vindicated now they're back. So it's hard for all parties involved. But we move on now. Tips. Uh, Last week, I got six. You got five. I think the only one we had different was South Newcastle. So we'll kick off this week. Have a look at the odds. Have a look at some bets and some bits and bobs, as we always do. Uh, First game, Cracker. Hopefully the Tigers are fired up for this one. They're up against Parramatta. Bank West Thursday night. And on the Parramatta side of things, Mitchell Moses, he has returned at halfback. Blake Ferguson is back on the wing as well, and Ryan Madison is back in the back row. So that's three big ins for the Parramatta side. George Jennings, Jarofield, David Goward out of the side, and Brad Takarangi is back on the bench. And on the Tigers side, Luke Garner is out. Michael Cheekham starts in the back row, and their only change. For me, with those players coming back and uh, a bit of a loss, I'm sticking with Parramatta. Yeah. Hopefully... The Tigers show us, again, some good signs and, and look like to get a win, but yeah, I, I still don't think right now uh, they're better than most of the teams in the eight. The one team I did think they were better than was South, and mm. they lost that game. So there you go. The odds for that one, looking at Labrokes, thirty-eight favorite are the Parramatta Eels. 3.05 for the Tigers, minus eight is the line in that one. The early Friday game, North Queensland, kickoff under the new interim Coach Josh Hennay up against the Manly Seagulls, and they are unchanged from last week. Uh, They've just got Arce named to start this time instead of on the bench, as they did on the weekend. And on the Manly side of things, Fennell Blake returns at prop. Paseca goes back to the bench. Waddell is out of the side. Similar to you here. They, They could turn up again this week. They could show a bit of fight, losing their coach. They could be trying to prove a point to the club or whoever's going to be taking over. But I think for Manly... Good momentum win last weekend. Get Fanua Blake back in for this trip heading up to Queensland. I think they'll chalk up another win.
2: Yeah, I'll go Manly. But, I'll, yeah.
1: If the Cowboys play really this on the, the Cowboys weekend, winning. could be very, very tight. And this
2: is probably season for them. They lose this, they're probably gone. It'll take Manly four points clear with nine games to play. And, you know, there's a lot of teams ahead of them. If the Cowboys want to climb ladder, you got to beat those just ahead of you. And Manly are just that. So, yeah. It's a. It's a season-defining game for the Cowboys, and
1: that's more the reason. Again, I look at Manly and go, "Well, given a one lot the weekend, drags back a big one." Um,
2: yeah, but it's it's a it's a weird time slot. Like they're going to have to travel up, um, all the way up, early day, early day, play at six o'clock, fly, fly home. It's going to be an uncomfortable trip for Manly. So, you know, there's a lot in North Queensland's favour.
1: Well, the bookies clearly like what they saw last week. They've got the Cowboys at two dollars fifteen. Manly's at dollar seventy. Minus two and a half is the line, so uh, they probably agree with some of the comments you've made there. Storm Broncos, Friday night, used to be, or about to say, they've got a good record even when the Brisbane were doing well, so I can't remember too many belters between these two in recent times. Melbourne love playing at Suncourt, but finally, we see some changes for Brisbane. Milford has gone back to fullback, Tess, you know, injured and out of the side. Tommy Deard and finally gets a start at halfback. Croft goes back to number six. Castoni Stags returns this week. Farnworth's back from injury there in the centre wing, respectively. <laughs> Richie Kenner and Azarko move out. Corey Oates with that leg injury. Thank God it wasn't what we thought it was—the yeah. fracture. It turned out to be a high-grade laceration and hematoma. So he's very lucky there. Corey Pates From what? What? What caused the laceration? I don't even know. I watched the replay of when it happened. I could not see. It looked like his leg got caught under the tackle, but I thought like a start or something to caused it. Cut like that? I don't know. What, Unbelievable. I don't know. I Was there a butcher's say... knife oh, <laughs> hidden oh. in the grass? Well, they throwing rocks out there at, out. at halftime at the, the trial line of the opposition?
2: Maybe. cans. They sell cans at Leichhardt. Yeah. He got sharded by a can.
1: Good. caught that. Uh, Corey Pakes a start hooker. Isaac Luke got suspended. Offerhen Gowie moves to the back row along with Pungai Jr. And Flegler starts at prop with Ben Teo dropping to the bench. Tyson Gamble and Rhys Kennedy are the new faces on the interchange. So as he said I last week... Win. At Gamble, I loved he watching. Well in to cup. Very, very aggressive. Probably just needs to contain his emotions a little bit more. But big body will run the football. Yeah, but
2: you know he's going to go out there and oh,
1: crack. You could literally just put him on as the third. Ain't I,
2: I like the Brisbane side this week, but I won't be tipping them because uh, they're playing Melbourne and they'll get murdered.
1: Still no Turpin. I, like that's taken longer than I thought. All for still no for feeder. Stags, I'm worried about like the fact that they had him in and then out and then last week he wasn't named at all. That's a bit of a worry. I do like the fact that Dearden's final in the side, but I think it's too late. Possibly if the forwards play the way they like they did on the weekend, that's not going to help him at all. I do know one thing, though. He'll definitely control the side a lot better if they do give him any sort of platform. Yeah, um, And he's definitely a, a better defender than both the halves that they've had in there. But the other one for me is still Darish Boyd. I really don't care about the situation or what I said before, possibly I had an agreement for him to go a year early and they'll pay him or whatever. He just wouldn't be on my side. I would not have him there. I would not feed Darish Boyd the way he's playing. Not me either. And the space between him and Milford has just been an open gateway for everybody this whole season. Um, I think... I don't know if they put Dearden over on that side. I know he'll certainly have a crack, but I hope Darius is up for it this week. Doubt it. Melbourne.
2: Uh, Nine mail-ins to go for Darius.
1: Mm. Melbourne, no changes, but they've got Soorley in the extended interchange for a possible return this weekend. Um... Uh, I think this one has always been pretty clear-cut. Their record's quite ridiculous, but under these circumstances, you have to worry. So I'm assuming you're on the Storm as well. It's the longest odds
2: Brisbane have been in a very, very long time.
1: $8 for the Broncos, eight for the Storm. They could be $80. Worse odds than last week the Titans game.
2: And so they should be, no. because the Titans Rightfully pump. So. Po- Titans
1: pump. Oh, right, I'm just what, the point you're making. You don't Dan see Brisbane at these, but minus 20.5 is a line in this game. Early Saturday game, the Warriors, they're up against the Roosters, and you want to talk about big odds, there's hefty odds in this one. But for the Warriors, Adam Pompey comes in at center for Patrick Herbert, who failed his HIA. Wade Egan is out, and Ignatius Parsi with a shoulder injury. So Carl Lawton starts at hooker. Jazz Tavunga starts at lock, and Heatherington pushes up to prop. Adam Blair is on the bench. Katawa starts in the back row. Chanel Taveta Harris and Lachlan Burr return on the bench. So there you go. With the Roosters. Orbison starts in the back row for Crichton, who's out with that knee. Nat Butcher's back; he returns on the bench. Liu starts at lock. Tokihiro heard a to prop, and Collins goes back to the bench. Again, I think uh, this one's pretty straightforward. You know, the Roosters, and you want to talk about long odds? A dollar four are the Roosters. Eleven dollars for the Warriors. A line, twenty-four and a half points. Wow, a very very hefty start for the Warriors. Local derby. Sharks up against the Dragons at Cogra, and on the Sharks side of things from last weekend, Toby Rudolph starts at lock with Sorensen out with a knee injury. Sesefa Talakai starts in the back row for Briton Akora who's suspended. Jack Williams is back onto the bench and Teague Wilton, a bit of a junior gun coming to the grades, he gets a debut on the bench. He can play lock, back row. He's a good footballer. And for the Dragons, Tarek Sims suspended for that stupid shot he put on foreign. Tyrell Fuimano gets a start in the back row and Jacob Host joins the bench. What do you reckon, Brock? They got it done last time, the Dragons. And the Sharkies, a bit of a reshuffle there. With Where's the this game at? It's at Cogre. Mm. Because they what have the to odds? play there this whole year. The bookies, bookies, have got the Sharks' slight favourites at $1.80. $2 for the Dragons. Minus one and a half is the line. Yeah, I'll probably tip the Sharks.
2: What, what time is this game played?
1: This is the 5 o'clock game, I think. 5.30, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'll tip the Sharks. I'm only going to tip the Sharks, even though I think the Nakora. Oh, it's hard.
2: Do I really want to tip the Sharks?
1: they are well, a bad team. Looking at the bench, Jack Williams has to come on and play middle. Royce Hunt, limited minutes, and Teague Wilton's more of a back row. So unless there's going to be a reshuffle to push Talakai into play some minutes, but Talakai still is learning to play big minutes. Like, he was a junior gun Australian schoolboys or Kiwi center from memory. at South. Spent a few years playing lower grades and.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll go the Dragons
1: the game last week worried me but they always seem to turn up for the derby but because they got one over them last time I'll go the Sharks but with not a lot of confidence but I don't know I think I've got a feeling about about the Dragons but I'm going to stick with Cronulla and the odds as we said $1.80 for the Sharks $2.00 for the Dragons this is a game I definitely wouldn't be betting on let's put it that way Correct. Or if I was going to bet on it, the only probably one I would take is one of your old favourites, the under six and a half, either way. Yeah. Because I think it might be close and ugly, but minus one and a half the line in this one. The late Saturday game, South's up against the Raiders down there at Canberra after a good result last week. Uh, the Raiders, let's see if they can keep it going. Rapana moves to the centres with Semi Valamai starting on the wing. This Oldfield's out with a hamstring injury and another. Center wing fullback player, mainly plays wing and fullback, is getting a debut on the bench. Harley Smith Shields, one of their guns for the Jersey flag side. So another debutant for the Raiders this week. On the Rabideau side of things, Roberts out and Ethan Lowe out as well. Campbell Graham, as we spoke about earlier, he returns in the centers. Bailey Siren is promoted to the run-on side. And Jack Johns joins the interchange for what will be his debut game as long as there's no changes uh, before kickoff. But traveling down there is never an easy thing. It's a horrible place to play late at night. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be wet on Saturday. I don't know if they're getting the rain, but wet, miserable, and a smash up to the middle. I, I'll take the Raiders. Yeah. So, having lived down there is not a fun place to go play in the winter, like that Melbourne game we saw the other week. And the bookies, I'm sure they'll agree, and they do a dollar fifty for the Raiders, two sixty for South minus five and a half is the line. And the two Sunday games to close out the round, Newcastle up against the Bulldogs. They are unchanged. From last week. Um, And as far as the Bulldogs are concerned, Avarillo returns in the centres from quarantine. Marcelo Montoya pushes out to the wing and Christian Crichton is out of the side and Brandon Wakem replaces Soasso Sue on the bench. Again, I think uh, I know where we're both going with this one. Yep. Newcastle to get another win. No, they got themselves into the top four last week. So these are the ones obviously you'll need to win. To solidify that position. The bookies have them a dollar fourteen. The knights five fifty for the doggies minus fourteen and a half is the line. And the last game of the round, your mob the Titans up against the Penny Panthers. Darrell Copley returns. He goes into the centres. Sammy goes out to the wing, and Tremaine Spry is out of the side. Kevin Proctor is also back from his injury. Both for more out of the side, and Fogarty's been named. Even though they're not sure about that knee yet, so if he's out, looking at the twenty-one they've got named. Tanner Boyd will probably go straight into the halves, and then they'll have to call in someone extra on the bench. But I don't know. It didn't look good last week when they went off when they started to do the test, but they've named him. Penrith side of things. Edwards is out with that hamstring injury, so Caleb Aikens goes into fullback. Brent Naden moves to the centers with Faro still out injured with his groin injury. Malakai Watinza Lesniak gets a call up on the wing, and Apikorosio is out with an elbow injury, so Mitch Kenny gets a start at hooker. I'm still tipping the Panthers because the side's still loaded. Yeah. But uh, I'm not saying it to be the case, but if RP had any niggles, and again, if they were playing the Warriors or the Titans, if there was a week to rest, and again, it's not generally something that's happened in the past, but this year in particular with the bottom four sides, this is the week to rest somebody if they've got an issue. Yeah. Correct. And you know you've got somebody there. Would have been really, really good to see Charlie Staines have a run at fullback in this game, um, but that's not the case. And also, again... With the halves situation, if Nate still had any issues with that ankle that he seemed to be struggling with for a few weeks, this would have been a perfect week, I reckon, to give Burton again. Yeah. Or on Jerome's side, either either, but yeah, still sticking with the Penny Panthers. The odds on this one: six dollars for the Gold Coast Titans, a dollar twelve for the Panthers, minus sixteen and a half is the line. So, mm. the only one different. There's only one game again this week, Brock. A lot less this year, I guess. I think COVID's made things a bit easier, tip-wise, to be honest, or a bit more consistent. You reckon? I don't know about like easier to get them right, but I think there's we've been more consistent tipping the top eight or those you know four or five dominant sides with good reason.
2: Yeah, yeah, the the comp's been more one-sided. I think
1: the bottom end is worse. I think this year than it has been most years and less competitive. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit of a rare circumstance, but Sharks Dragons is the only point of difference we have. Is there anything there betting wise you like? And I said to you last week I'm starting to struggle because some of the odds are ridiculous. And it goes back to that factor again. Like eight dollars Brisbane, eleven dollars the Warriors, six dollars for your mob, five fifty for the Bulldogs. Like there, there's some big lines there. There's some big results. There's not a lot of value on thirteen plus there. Like there, there's, there's just hard. There's some games you look at there and you really have to come up with something to get money out of it. Yeah. I know a lot of people love trying to do the five six leg same game multis and they're always dangerous. But there's a lot of high odds there and there's not a lot of value anymore no. on some of these games. Is there anything there you like? Not really, no. Not
0: I kind of really. think Canberra
1: I... at $1.50 is not bad if you can find something in that. Being at home in Canberra, like you know, I'm not going to touch any of those what games. What price are the Knights? Newcastle a $1.14. If... fourteen.
2: What what price if you put the four favourites together? Dollar fourteen. No, if I say no, go like Knights.
1: Knights, Knights to beat the Bulldogs,
2: Panthers.
1: Panthers, I d I I don't even think you'll get two dollars. I honestly don't. And roosters. I don't even think they add up to two bucks. What is it? Dollar forty three. That's ridiculous. But then odds boost you still don't get a dollar fifty. Oh. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Things are just
2: I'd probably take take all of those bets minus three and a half maybe. Try and get it up to somewhere near two dollars, but no, that, there's not there's not oh, geez, there's not no. a lot of, there's not a lot I like um in this week's games.
1: Yeah, um, I, I just I, think
2: there's four clear cut, and then there's four, four real flips of the coin. I'll probably throw a parameter in that multi, but that's a five lego. You know what's going to happen? One will get rolled, and you'll do your dough.
1: Yeah, I think like I said, I, I like Canberra, but again, it's more you couldn't just do a dollar fifty. It'd have to be a trial win or a halftime full time or something like that. I like manly as well, heading up there, but like you said, awkward. Earlier game, travel, they're gonna to have to leave early, fly up, they don't get to spend a lot of time, then they gotta get yeah, in. Yeah, so See in that
2: game I'd probably back um I'd back the Cowboys plus two and a half into the over because it's a day is a daytime game. No, it's six o'clock. No, yeah, six o'clock. That's pretty fast track.
1: It's a hard betting week, let's put it that way. If you're gonna have a stupid ten dollar moldy this week is the week to do it.
2: Yeah. Jump if you're looking for our bets, we usually post them later in the the week as well, like I know, I throw a few bets in there on a Friday, Thursday, Friday, um, and I've been hitting a lot of mine lately. So,
1: well, I had a couple um, of good weeks. Last weekend wasn't great. Oh, the um,
2: the You're right, mate? what? Yeah, <laughs> I, get, I'm about to get the hiccups. I think. Good hiccup. I'm laying in a weird position here, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether we got what. What did you have last week? You had Panther thirteen plus into.
1: No, nah, I took Crichton for two tries, and he went close, but he obviously didn't get there. Yeah. Um, I had a good one. I had... I had Nakora and Sharks 13+, and he's the only guy on the right edge that didn't score. They got doubles for ramian doubles for Katoa. So I had a few. What that... was the
2: Storm? I had the Storm...
1: You had Storm...
2: Storm o- minus... Rucker or something, didn't you? No, I had Storm minus... 16 and a half, or whatever it was, into the over,
1: which you got into
2: Tigers Tigers minus into the over, which I got.
1: Tigers were good value last week. That That was was um, way too close. I
2: think I got about eight bucks for that, and I posted that in the discussion group. So, yeah, if you're not in our Facebook discussion group, ask to join. Most people just get in automatically. We've we've set it up so if you request to join, you just get in. Yeah. But if if not, we'll have a look at it within 24 hours, definitely. And,
1: well, my, and wacky in there. My best last weekend was just best at Newcastle. Because I thought they've isolated him for two weeks. They have to get in the ball. And I'm not really the biggest fan of South Edge defence. And he ended up getting himself a meat pie. Oh. So I think that combined was $3. Yeah. But I had a few on the weekend in games like watching that Sharks game. I'm like, if Brit Cora can't get one here, you never getting one. Mm. It was just an absolute open slatter. And. We spoke about last week. I honestly thought the Cowboys wouldn't turn up the way they did. I thought Penrith at home would be too much for them, but to their credit, they showed plenty of fight. Crichton scored that nice try, and he went close a few times, but not yeah. quite enough. If that would have went in, I got that boosted on BetEasy. I think he was paying $7 boosted to score twice, yeah. and I had a $25 bonus bet on it. So I was I was yelling at the TV for that last game, just going, forget any lines or anything else, I don't care. Crichton just scored twice. Mm. There you go. Done for another week, Boxhead. Done for another week. If you're
2: listening and you're going to have a bet on the horses tomorrow, well, here you go. I'll give you, I'll give you one. I have got one tomorrow.
1: And God bless. I have to look in the inbox again. Whoever tipped me up the other week about that horse named Lewis and spelt the same way, yeah, I had a dig at one as and well. It man. ran home and it ran better than any Lewis I've ever seen. Uh,
2: Sandown race three tomorrow, number seven, Beauty Betty. It's six bucks at the moment. Get on.
1: Because let me tell you. If it was me in a race running, I might have been somewhere in the top three and then both my knees would have given way.
2: What about my Penrith Panthers premiership bet? 11 to 1 I got.
1: What about my point score bet? Yeah, I, got, would... I got Kyle Flanagan at $31. Yeah, well, that was stealing. I just s- thought, stealing. you're goal kicking for the Roosters and you're probably going to score a couple now, of draws. 650. And I took your bet when you said Newcastle top four at the resumption. They're in there. Because they've played the harder part of their draw. And I know you hate that, but I looked at their draw it's a lot friendlier the last 10 rounds than it was to start with.
2: And they're in the top four now.
1: So if they keep going and they win the games like they should on the weekend against the Bulldogs, <sighs> and they jag that one against Manly where they probably should have lost, well, then hopefully they hold on because I still got that. You got six or something, didn't you? I got good on no, I got like nine bucks. Well, I got it when it was still five, and I think now it's down to three because they're around that yeah. mix.
2: You get something right. You get something wrong. I got the Warriors to finish last too, so I need Canterbury to pull their finger out.
1: But I think the other. Ones... I'm
2: not sure. I don't think the Warriors will lose another game, but I just don't know whether Canterbury are going to. Um, sorry, I don't. I don't think the Warriors are going to win another game, but I just don't know whether Canterbury are going to lose. Uh, win two more.
1: I think they might win another game, but when it's going to be again one of those weeks where they might be up. And they,
2: they gave back. one away on the weekend. That's the problem.
1: Who talk? Oh, are you talking about the dogs.
2: I'm talking, talking about. about well, I need the dogs to win to catch up to get ahead of the Warriors. Yeah, I've got not... Warriors for the spoon.
1: Two wins to get equal and then four and against. I think, yeah, you're going to struggle with that one. I don't know. Mm. Do they play each other? That, that'll jag you one back. That'll jag me on, yeah. That's one, yeah. That's one way to get a game back. But. The
2: doggies. They've got the Knights, Para, They're not winning either of those two. Storm.
1: Oh, dear. Just quietly. I only just popped my head in. Tigers. Again. The amount of people that saw it yesterday, what about
2: yeah, they play each other in round 15.
1: Well, you got to hope up until then there's there's not a whole lot of wins between them. Round and 15, they've got, oh, they've got Canberra. Do they play double up? Sure, they don't. They, they play, the Dogs Bulldogs play the Titans in round 17. They've got two chances for a win.
2: I'll be cheering against my team. that They play South. They could beat South. Nah. And then
1: Panerth. Yeah, from, nah. I don't know. You're in big trouble.
2: I need the Warriors to lose out and I need the Dogs to beat the Warriors and...
1: Titans, Titans. And you need four and against to be good.
2: Four and against will be better for the dogs. Just showing it out the
1: there. Again, a lot of people posted or I saw it yesterday. Billy Burns. Son, how do you play football without underpants on? No, he had undies on. Really? Yeah, he had Well, he must on. have the fucking dodgiest, shittiest old underpants yeah. he's ever worn.
2: It was a topic of conversation yesterday. At, he's at, uh, hanging Washington. it at
1: the side Because first thing I'd asked by a lot of guys at work that had never played football, everyone saw that and goes, what's doing there? I'm like Football shorts used to carve me up. You have to hmm. wear undies or you have to have... Short skins on, or something, let alone just freewheeling. I used to wear boy legs. That's dangerous. It's real dangerous boy just legs. to be freewheeling and playing out in football. You don't
2: need that, no. Nah.
1: Oh, Billy.
2: Yeah, but I don't, I don't think he was freewheeling. I don't know. Anyway, you'd, you'd have to ask him. The way that was sitting out, I think that was freewheeling. Maybe we could get him on the show, mate. I and don't ask know. Him Buzz what... is an investigative journalist. He should get to the
1: bottom of Were what happened. Were you wearing speedos, or did you just fuck up Billy? Billy. Did you have your tackle packed up, Matt? Was it wrapped? Or did you just go in freewheeling with your sausage and it got squeezed out the side like a bunch of grapes and a banana? I don't know.
2: There's been no James Hooper on today either.
1: Yeah. Oh, <sighs> alrighty, everybody. Audio Boom, Spotify, iTunes, keep rating and reviewing. It keeps coming through. Get in the discussion group. If you haven't joined, get on board, post that up. Talk with other listeners of the show. Plenty of good content there and plenty of good discussion between everyone. It's good. Like I said, every time, every so often I have a look and see what people post up and what they're talking about. It's good beans. Uh, and obviously, yeah, find us on Facebook, 5th and Last in our podcast on Twitter, at 5th and Last. That's the letter and not the word and. And again, keep rating and reviewing on uh, iTunes. It's helpful for us, helpful for everybody else. And any questions, if it's not on the page, hit us up in the inbox. And for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league.
0: Bring it on. Give us more. Give
1: us more. Where are you going? Where are you... What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?